0: Howdy, everybody. This is David Sanchez, and this is episode number 27 of the Riffs or Die podcast. This is airing on Thursday, February 11th, 2021. Thanks a lot for checking it out. On this episode, we got the lead shred man from Havoc, Mr. Reese Scruggs. I met this guy about 10 years ago when we needed a new lead guitar player, and he came in and tracked Time Is Up. And that was our intro to him being in the band. We'd never played a show with him. We just dove straight into recording. And then shortly after that, we hit the road a lot. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And just a quick reminder before we dive into this extensive, long, but very interesting episode. You can always support the podcast by going to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch. Or you can subscribe on patreon.com slash riffsordie.com. Both of those are great ways to support the podcast. And also, if you haven't already, go to the Riffs or Die YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button on there. If you have any questions or comments for the podcast, please send them over to podcast at riftsordie.com. And don't forget, Patreon subscribers get discounts at riffsordie.com. Also, you can get your hands on bonus episodes of the podcast, handwritten lyrics, free merchandise and live Zoom hangouts every month. So if you want to hang out in person, shoot the shit, ask me anything you want, go and sign up at patreon.com slash die and let's hang out, and I'll shoot you some cool Riffs or Die swag in the mail. Please check the description below on this podcast episode if you want the links to Reese's other band, Monolith, and Reese's Instagram, and all kinds of other good stuff that is related to what we talked about here in the podcast. I love this guy a lot, and he is a super shredder extraordinaire. Try saying that ten times fast. And uh, genuinely interested in a lot of different things, and I had a really good time talking with him. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Reese Scruggs. Given the fact that we are not touring right now, like we were supposed to all year, <laughs> what are you up to? It was before stuff started to really hit the fan and the picture
1: was super clear. Uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was like, I have to I have to figure something out. So I was going back and forth with Jen and um, I was just like, I'm going to hit up as many people as I possibly can, maybe see about. You know, maybe getting some work, some part-time work, something where I could guarantee um, some some money, some cash flow going into the household, because it was looking like she was going to be out of her job. She's a bartender, and it just didn't look great for anyone uh, in our field and there in her field, and so I just asked around and one of my buddies was like yeah you know we've actually need some work with everything hitting and everything starting to kind of hit the fan uh basically uh we need some work in the warehouse so i've been working in a warehouse in charlestown or ranson west virginia at uh, dr pepper mountain dew slang and sodas stacking pallets and just slanging like, sodas slang and soda yeah you're a soda jerk I'm a soda jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, I mean, you know, just working my ass off. And then uh, that's basically taken up, you know, large portions of my day from Monday to Friday. Um, but staying on top of uh, music stuff and writing and uh, endorsements and kind of revisiting my old band and, you know, that that sort of thing, you know, to keep me sane uh, and, uh, be creative and stuff. So, yeah.
0: Are you still doing lessons?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely still doing lessons. I do lessons, uh, maybe four or five times a week. I've still got my same regulars that I've had since we were touring, you know, since back in the conformist days, ever since I started giving online lessons. So that's
0: been pretty cool. Rad. Yeah. If people want to get a lesson from you, how do they do that?
1: Well, I have an official uh, lessons email, lessons at gmail.com. And then um, I'm also available on my social media. uh, Well, predominantly Instagram. It's where I basically do everything. Anything that's seen outside of Instagram is just connected through Instagram just because, you know, (laughs) keeping up with all the social media stuff is a little little much for me Um, and Instagram seems to be the more, more straightforward and less uh, if you want it to be uh, less uh, clouded or less, you know, full of a bunch of bullshit. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Yeah. It's less uh, densely packed with people's stupid opinions and conversations that wind up going on 17 comments longer than they should have. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I keep, I have a, (laughs) I have a Facebook, but it's it's stay it's been a private Facebook for a very long time now, and it's solely just kept around and activated just so that whenever we're on the road, my dad can see whatever I'm doing, you know, from town to town, country to country or whatever. Otherwise, I would have gotten rid of it forever ago. It's it's such horseshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. If, if we didn't have band stuff and, like, you know, quote, business stuff to do on there, I'm not sure I would be on there at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, man, it is completely tanked. Like, Facebook used to be a big thing, and a lot of people used to participate and go there to find information and interact with bands and stuff, but anymore, it's fucking graveyard, basically. Right, yeah. I've noticed whenever we post something on the Havoc page, we'll get, like, 20 times the amount of engagement on Instagram versus Facebook. It's crazy. Well, that was smart on Facebook's part to buy up Instagram, I guess. The last time we talked, we were talking about, uh, you know, keeping tabs on propaganda and, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, watching news from all angles yeah. just to keep tabs on what people are believing this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's really cool that you do that. Cause I do the exact same thing. It's good to be aware of the propaganda that is being implemented and, you know, the attempted brainwash of, of people <laughs> to be aware of what's going on. I think is smart, even if you can't get to the bottom of the story. Cause I mean, God knows we always have 40 different angles and 40 different stories being told to us. So it's hard to sift through the debris and figure out what's real. Absolutely. Um,
1: it's yeah. Like we were talking about uh, a couple of days ago, it's, I was, I was really starting to ramp up and get into things uh, right as the election happened and um, it, it, it's just wild. I was, I was starting to get, sorry, I'm turning my monitors down real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I was starting to get heavier into uh, things as uh, the election happened because I kept just Hearing about certain topics and certain things, certain groups. And for the longest time, I was listening to podcasts that where I was learning things, but they were topics in which I was already heavily interested in. And it was the whole political side of things is just, it, wears, it has worn me out for the past, I don't know, however many years to the point where I've taken an active approach and in being inactive. Uh, and wanting to know, or you know, just doing the need to know stuff, and not really believing that that. But I kept hearing about all these different things within the circles or within the things that, that it would creep into the to the to the things that I was already listening to that had really nothing to do with it. Just because everything was just getting so out of hand. So I was like, okay, what's this all about? And then I would actively try to figure out and find out which. Podcasts to listen to to get uh, a side of one story, and then the completely other side of the spectrum story, and then while doing that for the longest time, I would periodically turn on CNN or I'd turn on Fox News or I'd turn on one of our you know major news outlets on TV and just kind of see where everything was, and as the election was happening, and I guess it had already been decided. It, it looked so... Personally, for me, it looked like they were calling things straight down the middle for a little bit. And even when the election was going on, it was very surprising to people on the right when they were so like, you know, <laughs> all... Trump supporters and all uh, uh, you know seriously like, you know, invested right wingers and QAnon believers and stuff like that were so mad at Fox News when they were just like, Yep, Joe Biden's the president, you know? <laughs> and and I thought that was pretty interesting, so I had to I had to dig deep into that, what that was all about, because I was just like, okay, well they're just if there are news I know, they're, I know it's Fox News, but they're just reporting the facts. So, okay.
0: <laughs> I need to. I need uh, fi- allegedly. <laughs> yeah. R-
1: right. Right. You know, I need to figure out what's going on here. And then I would tune into um, like a CNN after the election happened. Well, after the Capitol thing happened, as it was happening, mm-hmm. as it was happening, I was watching it and I was like, this is. It, I, It didn't come out until days or maybe a week later as far as like there were casualties, you know, that sort of thing. So, that sucks. You know, that's terrible. But at the same time, when I was watching it, I was looking at it and more than anything, I was watching CNN at the time. And they were like, this is an incredibly dark day for our country. And I was just watching it going, hmm, this is really fucking stupid. Like, it's... It was uh, th- my, my reaction to it was. There's a lot of children here, <laughs> you know. There's there's a lot of childish at the rally. You mean at the s- oh okay. siege or ins- insurrection? You know that sort of thing. I was watching it on the news, going, "Hmm, this is pretty pretty ridiculous." Not not thinking it was, you know a tragedy for our country or a black day on the you know in united states history i just thought it was absolutely re- ridiculous and bogus and achieved nothing and it i don't know it just didn't seem the way that they were po- reporting it but i also get the way they were reporting it as well but then after that i tuned to tune into cnn and it's like Every single person is, you know, every single person affiliated. Everyone who's waving a Gattson flag, everyone who is, you know, eh, you know that sort of stuff. They're criminals, and they're this, and they're that. And it was like, wow. I ha- okay, I have I have to do more. I have to to see what's going on both sides of the spectrum. I really have to dig deep and see how people are thinking because it, it it was I knew that things were nuts on both sides of, of the spectrum and people were being divided more and more I got led down that too and I still feel that way with the whole Trump side of stuff like you know I, it was a cartoon sideshow to me and so I'm grateful that I don't have to look at his face anymore but at the same time I want to hear and see a, a balanced shift and, and not so much more division but now it seems like they're like the other side is doing the exact same thing the other side was doing. Um, oh yeah. It's
0: it, same shit, different guy kicking his feet up on, in the Oval Office. Yeah. It's it's, it's the just, same way. It's always been our whole lifetimes.
1: I know. I, I know. And I, I've paid attention to know, you know, I've paid attention enough to know that and, and, and for sure. And it, it, it just, I don't know, because I am consciously making a decision to, to, uh, get information from all from every from every side and get into the crackpot theories of of this that or the other and then maybe hearing some of those quote-unquote quack crackpot theories and then eventually figuring out that hmm, maybe some of this stuff is you know on both sides of the spectrum is you know it i don't know resonates with me or or I just think it's absolute horseshit, like all this stuff. I'm just making a conscious decision to listen to it um, and and making my own mind up going, okay, this is the way that you think and it stems from this and I have to understand where this person's coming from or what this group of people, um, where it comes from and why they are uh, so behind it. I have I want to figure that out. I don't want to automatically just talk out of my ass. And especially for being a person, you know, uh, previous to this whole, uh, uh, this current uh, political um, time that we're in. The, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't the person who was, you know, looking up every fact and, and uh, uh, trying to uh, be super knowledgeable on it. Um, so I, I wanted to make a conscious decision to, to uh, research this stuff. And uh, see see where everybody's heads were so that if I ever had an opinion, I could at least try to know what I'm talking about for my own, you know, educated opinion.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. The world we live in is (laughs) getting more and more interesting or some would say crazy every week. I think we're going to see some really crazy shit in our lifetime, but... uh, (laughs) I agree, I agree. I know that you are uh, among millions of other people that wish that someday some of this mess is going to be sorted out by the revelation of extraterrestrial beings. Yes, sir. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on the aliens? Uh, I, th- I think that all stems. I think what my beliefs
1: and, and hoping that there is something like that, that I think it's, I, I, I think it's um, my hopes is that it would remedy people's belief system. Um, unless you're one of the people who's going to be gra- grasping for straws, kind of like QAnon is grasping for, you know, Trump to come out in the 45th hour <laughs> to, <laughs> to topple Joe Biden's uh, evil child blood drinking sex ring or whatever. Um, It's that uh, by having an extraterrestrial intervention that it, it kind of, breaks people's, um, I wouldn't say faith, you know, I wouldn't say faith or any of that other stuff to believe in something in a positive way is cool and I'm for it. I don't care what it is, as long as you're doing good and not hurting anyone, but, you know, the, 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 the super like evangelical, uh, extremist way of thinking, you know, that it's gotta be this way, it's this way and I'll prove it. You know, until you're dead, um, when people, it, I always hope that if people saw something like that, if that were real to someone, they would go, Oh my God, you know, I, I have, I've, I've been doing a bad job. You know, I believe, I don't believe the right things and I'm not living the way that I should have lived. And, you know, this is, you <laughs> know, this is proof or something like that. So it, that, that was always my hope. But yeah, I, if no different than
0: X-Files <laughs> and,
1: and wanting to believe for sure.
0: <laughs> what do you think is the best case scenario? If aliens do come, what happens to the human race? Um, you know, best case scenario. What's the big like switch that flips if aliens are revealed or reveal themselves or whatever, what's the, the ideal situation? What, what do you think would happen on a global scale? Um,
1: there's a pie in the sky fantasy way of thinking about it. As far as how I like what I would like to see, I think it has something to do with what I just talked about. That people start to kind of, you know, I, I I think I think kind of sort of immediately people the people at our level, the people who are thinking or semi thinking, or the people who don't necessarily want to be a part of. The everyday mundane life system type things, they're going to go, okay, I we, okay, here it is, you know, th- this is it, and let's let's start moving towards that direction. And but that's the pie in the sky type way of thinking that you know, people will uh, kind of re evaluate their extremists, kind of narrow minded tunnel vision ideas. And beliefs and stuff like that, and maybe politically uh, as well. But realistically, when faced with these things and historically in conspiracy, when anything extra- extraterrestrial comes up, you always hear about the technology or the agreements with extraterrestrial beings, with governments, and using their weapons and the resources and the so on and so forth. So, if that were to eventually reveal itself, I think you would have a whole lot of political intervention, a whole lot more control, a whole lot more uh, of that, because I think that's the natural reaction of a system in which there's, you know, what, what we have, you know, what we have, if if that were a reality, then there, it, it would be, um, we've got to get the military on this, you know, would be the natural reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, always in yeah. all the movies.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And in, in all the movies, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it is in all the movies, but at the same time, it's like it. It's my hope that something good comes out of it, and that we can finally realize. It's it's like the Christmas tree, uh, it's like the Christmas uh, treaty and um, or the Christmas peace in World War One, where the French and the Germans were blowing the hell out of each other for a stretch of land called No Man's Land. You know, any stretch of land between uh, trenches. And it was Christmas time and someone uh, decided to uh, play soccer. They just had a soccer
0: ball. and They stopped killing each other for one day.
1: They stopped killing each other for one day until someone decided they needed to stop killing each other. Then they figured out for one day they could stop killing each other and that it was stupid. And someone decided that they needed to start killing each other and then we went, they went back to war. And that's... I th- I think that in a nutshell is extraterrestrials <laughs> coming and showing themselves to all of mankind is like, you, you would have this moment of semi-clarity and then it would be like, okay, now let's go, let's go blow the shit out of that thing because we don't understand what it is. And any sort of uh, other than pilots, other than some pilots in the sky, you know, when it comes to um, the military having reports on extraterrestrial anything, a lot of the times what do they do? They fire at it. <laughs> so it it's, you know, it that that in a nutshell is, is is what I think would happen in reality.
0: So speaking of conspiracies and aliens, have you ever heard of Project Bluebeam? No. Not Blue so- Beam. So Project Bluebeam is basically that if aliens show up, it's going to be completely faked with holograms and they will fake an alien invasion to unite the entire world under one world government and mm-hmm. get rid of borders and get rid of nations and... Uh, it'll be used as the excuse that every country needs to unite because we got to fight these fucking aliens. Yeah, I do
1: remember that now. I just didn't know what the name was.
0: Yeah, yeah Project Bluebeam. I mean, the technology exists for them to fake uh, an alien invasion with um, holograms and, you know, there's a lot of speculation that direct energy weapons exist. Wouldn't be unthinkable for them to fire something from space from a satellite and, and use holograms to fake an alien invasion. Oh, man. People they were, freak the fuck out. And were, uh, yeah. that's a theory that maybe that's how it goes down. I don't know. We're going to see, or maybe we won't see, but guaranteed we're going to see some crazy shit in our lifetime. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, for sure. I agree. They were working on those uh, sound
1: um, and energy weapons, you know, back and the, not, you know, the Nazis were working on those things. And then uh, the Russians and uh are the United States government scooped those guys up to develop rocket technology to go to the to go to the moon? Not not talking about not talking about fake moon landing. I'm talking about the 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 concept of going to the moon. They were just they were brought on to 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 create uh, nuclear warheads to reach each other's uh, lands. So, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, they were developing those types of technology and, and messing around with alternative-style weapons since you know the 30s and
0: the 40s. So, yeah, and e- even before the Nazis, Tesla claimed right, that he yeah. had the death ray. You that's know? right, yeah, that's right. Yep. The weapon to end all wars, because whoever would have it would win no matter right. what.
1: Right, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, crazy shit. Changing gears here a little bit, a Patreon subscriber wrote in, I have a few questions here for you, Okay. and I want to read this first one and get your opinion. Uh, this person wrote in and said, in the movie This Is Spinal Tap, Nigel Tufnell refers to one of his guitars as the one that shall never be played, or looked at for that matter. This person is wondering if Captain Scruggs has an axe too amazing to touch. Oh... Um, I
1: know that there are at least a couple guitars that will not be gigged, um, at least anymore. And by gigged, I mean anything on, uh, you know, like Havoc type of, of road, road warrior style, uh, trip. And that would be my Gibson Les Paul custom. Um, it's seen many many shows it's recorded with monolith and gigged with monolith but as far as it being taken anywhere outside of winchester virginia it just it's never going to happen and Hmm. anything that i got when i was a kid that was a present from family or any heirloom style thing like i just restored and set up my dad's first ever guitar. It's a 1970 something Univox hollow body guitar.
0: That thing's cool.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And he picked it up cause it looked like Chuck Berry's guitar. It's the whole reason he got it. Um, he, he lost Chuck Berry and he got that. He thought he would be really cool with it. And then and never saw, he learned some chords. He never, and never saw the light of day until I started to, you know, pluck around on one of the, one of the acoustics and decided I wanted to play, um, And then he started picking it up again, but uh, everything else is everything else is that I have right now in modern times (laughs) uh, has been out on the road. You know, a lot of Roar stuff, a lot of stuff that I'm waiting to to gig, like my Dean
0: guitars. so the yeah. only one that's like not to be looked at is your Gibson Les Paul cut. Yeah, I would I would say that. Would don't be even it. look at it.
1: Yeah, don't even look at it. Can't <laughs> no one can touch it. Yeah, it's. You can
0: just hear the sustain. Yeah, <sighs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's badass. It's <laughs> too fragile. Like it's just it's so fickle. Like when I first got it, I bought it for myself when I was eighteen, and it was so much money. And I, you know, of course, being a thirty-three-year-old person now. I'm looking at myself when I was 18, buying a $5,000 guitar, going, "Wow, that's really stupid." But I was, I want, I used to just salivate over musician friends' catalogs, looking at Gibson Les Pauls. And Yours I was, is white, right? Yeah, mine's Alpine White.
0: Yeah, Randy uh, Rhodes.
1: Yeah, Randy Rhodes, and just like Randy Rhodes, played in really sm- smoky bars and clubs. I played in really smoky bars and clubs with that thing, and it's now yellowed, which is pretty cool. Um, that's yeah. was that, it that, brand
0: new, yeah, brand new,
1: it? yeah, brand new. Okay. Um. And yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's what a lot of people don't realize about uh, Randy's custom is that it was Alpine white and it it yellowed over the years. Um. Yep. But As uh, they do. Yeah, mine. Um. I got mine and I gigged with it for one night. I got on stage with a friend's band, so I just got the guitar. I think I had it for maybe like two, three days. And I used to wear these gigantic belt buckles back in the day because I, I don't know why. And um, I got home the next day. It was Sunday. Naturally, you know, bar bands play on Saturday nights. And uh, it was Sunday. And I looked at the back of my guitar and it was all pockmarked, surface scratched, and everything on the back. And I just bought this fucking guitar and I was so crushed. And then my dad always. Like he always does, kind of you know, even me out with some words of wisdom. He's like, "What are you gonna think when you're torn?" At this time, I'm 18 years old, so it's no. This was before then. Never mind. Never mind. He smoothed everything out just by going, "Well, you know, that's it's got personality now. Now you have a story with it, so for um, sure.
0: Well, and thank God it's on the fucking back.
1: Yeah, yeah. But now, well, well <laughs> you don't
0: have belt buckle rash on the front.
1: <laughs> it's gone through so much more now. Like there's this permanent stain on it from a hoodie I used to have. It's got a big, it's got two big Metallica things on the hoodie. Now it's like patches, but it Mm -hmm. used to be a fender hoodie and it was really thick print and silver. And, um, the, the ink was really thick, thick silver. I wouldn't say glitter, but it might metallic silver, uh, fender logo. Yeah. And I, I used to play the shit out of my Les Paul and I used to have it like really up high so I could, you know, just pay attention to what I was doing. I was practicing one time and it just stained the shit out of the, the
0: top of
1: it. And, oh no. And it won't go anywhere now. So yeah, it's, it's been through a lot of stuff and it's like Might I be said, able i to buff that out. Yeah. But I mean, again, I have a story and it's, it's no big deal, but as far as other people touching a thing, it ain't happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll ruin it all I want, but no one else will. Sure. Fair enough. Well, everybody that follows you on social media and stuff probably sees that you're now a man of Dean Guitars. Yes. And Seymour Duncan. Oh, yeah. Now, I know that when you first joined Havoc, you were playing a Dean mm-hmm. and you recorded all the solos that are on Time Is Up on a Dean Razorback ML. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Were there Duncan's in that pickup? Yeah. Duncan pickups in that guitar as well?
1: Absolutely. Uh, uh, okay. di- a Dimeback set, a uh,
0: Razorback, and a 59. Yep. Right. Sweet. So I know Seymour Duncan makes a ton of different pickups. Do you have any specifically that you're more partial to than others? Uh, What was it? Dimebucker in
1: a 59? I don't know if I saw that. Um, I love the Dimebucker. It's a great passive pickup. It may be really. Realize that passive tone is what I wanted to go after early on and what I really liked. uh, Very hot pickup, but at, at the same time, incredibly dynamic with being such a high, high gain pickup. And I guess before we started the conformicide tracking, I guess the literal tracking, we were doing a bunch of sessions, writing sessions and uh, some touring before that, and I really fell in love with the uh, Jason Becker Perpetual Burn pickup. Yeah,
0: the colorful ones.
1: Yeah, we ended up using that pickup on all of my side of conformist rhythms. You had tracked whole tracks with that guitar that had that humbucker in it because of my sound or whatever. I had done a lot of uh, leads with that on that record. I really fell in love with that one. And there's some stuff that I'm really waiting to try right now. I just ordered a parallel axis distortion because Sweet. of uh, Blue Saraceno, for one. He's got a signature pickup with Seymour with Duncan. But the reason I ordered the distortion model is because I saw uh, Brandon Ellis had a parallel axis distortion model in, in, his, uh, in his guitar. So it was kind of the combination of loving uh, Blue Saraceno for so many years and seeing him play the parallel axis, and then also the the uh, added effect of uh, you know Brandon Ellis endorsing the distortion model. So I want to check that out. That one's on its way right now. So I can't Sweet. wait to can't wait to get that in in my uh, my TBZ my Brazilian um, TBZ Dean select
0: is the TBZ Tobacco Burst zebra what's what's the tvz stand for
1: yeah it's it's something along the lines of that uh, brazilian tobacco burst something or other okay Um,
0: yeah yeah for sure they have a v version
1: they have a v version of this too
0: right so that parallel axis pickup looks really fucking cool yeah it looks great yeah it looks amazing it's got uh the poles are not really poles it's more like Like it's got grids or like lines on it that are all kind of flat. It doesn't look like a normal humbucker pickup to me. I've never seen another pickup that looks like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I I really like the way that one looks, and I really like the way that the um, there's another one that has a traditional style open pickup coil look with the top, and it's a humbucker, but the the top of the humbucker looks like a blade. I really like that too, and they have a distort. Oh, cool. They have a high gain, like you know, rock and metal version of that one too. I may get one of those as well, just to try out. So I'll I can't have re- to
0: check that out. Do you know what it's called? Uh,
1: man, not off the top of my head, but that's what we okay have Google for right? So yeah, sure, you can Google that up. The pickups name is uh, P Rails. P Rails. P Rails. So the um, there's a. Tri- the triple shot P rails triple shot, they're black, and they're uh, way higher output. So there's like a um, there's a cream version, and that one's got that one's like more for blues rock and and you know stuff like that. And then they have this black one that's you know higher output and uh, you know can do a lot more you know heavier granny stuff. Also, the, it's called the hot P rails. Um, hot P reels. Hot P.
0: endorsed by R Kelly. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll have to look those up. Yeah. Check those out. And then, um,
1: Wes, uh, Wes Halk's signature pickup, the Jupiter. I'd like to try out at some point in time as well. So yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to get my hands on. I've got so much experience with like the JB, um, I got a lot of experience, a, a lot, a lot of time into the Dimebuckers. Uh, I love them. And then, uh, the TBZ's got a set that is not so common in it. And I can never remember it because it doesn't have like a flat out, like name, name. It's just like a standard serial number type name with a bunch of numbers and hmm. okay, one, yeah, yeah, one or two letters or something. I don't know what it is, but they sound
0: cool. They're very clean. Very, very clean. Sweet. So all the Deans that you've gotten are MLs with the exception of that Nash Vegas, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is like a Telecaster.
1: Yes, a Telecaster with a, you know, cool like heavy metal headstock.
0: Yeah, sweet. And the big oversized logo like they had back in the day. Yeah.
1: And uh, um, a Floyd Rose, of course. Got to have that. Sweet. Yeah, that thing's awesome.
0: Yeah, that thing looks really cool. And uh, actually all the Deans that you have look amazing and that dime burst yeah the dime slime yeah yeah, the dime slime i saw that thing in person at nam and i was like holy shit that thing is so cool looking yeah i always thought they were cool looking in magazines and stuff back in the day but that was the first time i got a really good look in person at one and uh i was really impressed by like the color they're super bright
1: yeah and the wood grain like i opened up the case I opened up the case and was just completely blown away. Like, the no picture, video, or anything can do it justice. It just does not register with even with a high-quality camera or anything. Like, to see it in person is completely different than a video or a picture. And uh, it's amazing, yeah. man. And that guitar, as soon as I grabbed it, there's no... It doesn't fight me with anything that I do. And that was the one thing that with my Dean guitars in the past that they just never did was fight me. If I wanted to do something with them, if I had an idea or I was trying to achieve something on the fretboard, on the guitar in general, the necks were perfectly made for me to just think it and then do it. And these are no different. It's the same same feel as, as when I had, you know, over ten years ago, so
0: sweet, yeah, yeah. that's great, yeah, man. And uh, obviously, Dean has a really big, sweet roster, so that's got to be cool to be on that team, especially with. I know you're a gigantic Dimebag Darrell fan, and obviously, Dimebag Darrell, Dean, yeah, man. are synonymous. Yeah, man, it's uh, it is, it is really cool, and they do have um.
1: A, a a big roster, but at the same time, not as big as some other companies, and that was one of the things that, like, and for all the success for other companies, I mean, that's super cool. It's it's nothing to talk shit about other companies or anything, but like, one of the main factors for me with getting with another bigger guitar company, because that was a big step for me. I I for the longest time, I just did not want to do it. But one of the most attractive things about Dean was the roster. They do have a good amount of people on the roster, but it's not a, it's not pages worth. And it's, it's not just a, something where I feel like I would get lost in the shuffle. And, um, and just the communication with my artist reps and uh, just with the owner himself who comments on, my Instagram and has nothing but nice things to say. I mean, that right there is, uh, it, it, it is everything in a nutshell with my experience with Dean uh, ever since, uh, kind of starting up conversations with, uh, Chris Canella back in back when we did, um, Monterey metal fest in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was playing with these side. And after we had played our slots, we met up with them in a bar and he was just like, dude, we we would love to have you over at the company, and he st- you know he stuck with it every step of the way, and uh, it it just went from there. It's just been nothing but you know pure class all the way.
0: It's great. So I got to ask you this, and I can edit this out if need be. But sure, is there any plan for a Reese Scruggs custom or a signature model or a star shape? You know, you've become fairly recognizable for having a star-shaped guitar on stage. So do you have anything you can reveal about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, I can. Um, There's plans to do a custom and then plans to do something after a custom happens, but that really depends on the the, the question of uh, being able to be seen touring again. Uh, it's super important for their artists to be out doing what we do. And um, it's not that they don't it's not that they can't justify it. But when you're a band that's so synonymous with being on the road and being road warriors, they, uh, you know, that that's that's one of the aspects that was so attractive about what I did. To them, is that I'm not just going to be seen on the internet. I'm going to be seen in front of actual living human beings, and and playing and playing these things. And so that's the idea: is to have everything kind of it when the ball can get rolling again, whenever that is. Then that's when you know steps will be made uh, for those types of things to happen. But. We're not ruling out the possibility of doing something in this time as well. But um the question about the star shape, on the other hand, I no one's ever told me yes, no one's ever told me no. I do remember uh Chris when we were having that discussion in Mexico, I was like, I play stars. I don't want to rip off dime too much. I love MLs, but at the same time I've been playing a star shape for many years now and i was like is would there be any sort of possibility of creating a star and doing an upside down headstock a reverse headstock like a hockey stick or something like that and to which he said i think we could do that so cool we'll see and uh you know the future the future with them looks really promising for any that any of that stuff.
0: So awesome, yeah, no, well, that's s- great, dude! Congratulations, well, thanks. Should be cool. <laughs> I'm really happy where I'm at. So it's great. Yeah, I'm stoked for you. Thanks, man. Well deserved. Obviously, you're known for being a super shredder, and I have another question here that's from a Patreon subscriber. Okay, that's related to super shredding. Awesome. This person said, hi, Reese, it's sick the way you play guitar. So how do you practice and what do you recommend to reach that speed and level or at least try? Also, thanks for the pick you gave me in Chile. I never had the chance to thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, My practice routine is
1: something I take pretty seriously. Now, just like every other uh, guitar player, whether you're a beginner or a super advanced or pro or whatever it is, you're going to have times where literally all you do with your picking up your guitar is noodling and fucking around. But, and that happens with me quite often. But I've done this thing since my time's been pretty limited and my practice routines or my times with my guitar have you know been basically cut in half um, more than half with the job and everything else. I'm not complaining, it's just the way it is, is time management. And my time management, when I have when I have uh, an allotted um, set of when I have a time, I pick and choose exactly what I'm going to spend that time on trying to improve my guitar playing in some sort of way, sharpening one blade at a time. Yeah, and, making
0: a goal and attacking that.
1: Yeah, and one of those one of those practice sessions might be nothing but metronome work. And that could mean all, all techniques, but literally playing with the metronome the whole time, playing at various BPMs, you know, sticking to everything sounding super clean, whether it's tapping, whether it's picking, whether it's legato, whether it's so on, so on and so forth. Riffing, riffing, playing rhythms, you know, down picking, uh, alternate picking, any all of that stuff. Then another day or another practice session is just throwing on a um, YouTube playlist, which my go-to playlist is elevated jam tracks. Elevated jam tracks, you throw one on a playlist and it's nothing but backing tracks of different types of music, guitar music from blues to rock to funk to country to, you know, metal to all of that stuff. And, and various keys. And the cool thing about elevated jam tracks is that it throws up the mode that the guy sticks in. And with that mode,
0: there's a picture of the actual mode chart on the screen. Yeah. I've seen some of those videos. I've played along with stuff like that. It could have been from elevated jam tracks, but I'm not sure. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. I mean, and
1: it's super cool. And it also gets you out of your it also gets you out of your wheelhouse. It gets you out of your comfort zone when it comes to uh, improvising. So what I'm saying is is I throw on those tracks and I improvise. And I feel that improvisation these days, am I playing or am I, you know, right now as as me at 33, I feel that improv is the most important part of a skill set that i that i could have right now because i feel that i could go you know being super sharp and having the skill set playing super fluid you know passages and knowing where notes can go and what to use and what not to use and improv i can go and play in any type of situation i can get on stage with a bar band and play doesn't matter what it is I can go into a studio and improv a solo and start writing something just with a couple notes and come up with something killer. I could come up with something. I could come up with a cool lick for a uh, Havoc solo section a lot quicker than I used to. I can think of new different things to do with uh, the monolith project that I'm doing. Stuff like that. So it's like, I, I really feel that, this stage in my game that improv is a super super uh, important part to work on and then you know also with time management going from there i play along with tracks you know songs i play along with songs from my band um i play along you know with with havoc stuff monolith stuff i play along with um, stuff that i'm familiar with like testament or pantera but i also play along with country tracks um, I try to work on rhythm stuff, um, and then one one of those practice sessions might be learning someone else's guitar solo, and not because I want to have it out there for you know social media purposes or whatever. Is that when you choose to do a deep dive into someone else's style of playing, you can get into the mindset of a person's way of thinking when it came when it comes to writing that solo what why did they do this why did they do that why did they pick that note why did they bend that one and uh, you also can steal a bunch of stuff too <laughs> um i i've i'm very guilty of that but i also think that's really cool is that if you're able to kind of take a little part of what these killer guys to do and make it your own then you're developing your own style piece by piece and having that understanding is super important especially if that's you know if you're playing that style of music that you're trying to learn a solo from then you're understanding exactly what works in that genre and you're you're understanding your style of music where you want to go with it what you can do with it and so on and so forth so I think about those things when I think about practice, um, and it's it's doing the job for me so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, and instead of stealing, we'll just call it borrowing. <laughs> borrow, yeah, we're borrowing, yeah. <laughs> you know, borrow this dude's lick, just change a couple of notes. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's the same kind of thing when writing songs and shit. I'll get inspiration from listening to a Devo song or... I'll get inspiration from listening to a a fucking foreigner song, but it's not necessarily that you just write the whole thing. You just take a little uh, inspiration.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Which there's nothing wrong with whatsoever. And I have often gotten the question of like, how do I find my own musical voice and start writing riffs that sound like me? Or, you know, I have writer's block. What can I do? I tell people, like, learn other people's stuff. Because it might, you know, light a spark in your brain to go down this other road. And at least uh like you said, you can get inside someone else's head and mm-hmm. you know start to um like decipher and decode how their brain works and kind of factor that into your own style it's a good way to to get more creative it, it sounds counterintuitive but a good way to get more creative is to learn other people's stuff
1: yeah I've been listening to a all guitar related podcast, which is pretty cool and One of the hosts was saying that he gets the question of finding your own voice and standing apart and being unique and all this other stuff. And his response to people who say those things is, don't try to do it at all. That the way that you learn and what you eventually end up doing, it's going to be kind of tailored. It's going to be you. It's going to be you in the long run anyway that if you learn a scale only you're playing the scale that way you know and it might sound a carbon copy of this that or the other but it's going to have some part of you that's in that now I thought that that answer was unique I can agree to a certain degree but I also feel that (laughs) by learning other people's stuff or at least intensely listening to other people's stuff and trying to mimic it, which is what I did for so many years. I didn't learn note for note other people's stuff when I first started. And when I was in playing in bars and clubs when I was a little kid, because I didn't have a computer when I was a kid. You know, a lot of my friends did. I didn't. And sure shit couldn't afford tab books and all this other stuff, but I could buy myself CDs I did listen to the radio and one of the things that was super important for me to do with the teacher that I had for you know what nine months or whatever it was was developing my ear and like a lot of players that I have eventually looked up to what they would do is they would listen to the radio and listen to their records and at most maybe try to slow down their records. And uh, learn their stuff by ear. And what they ended up doing was they ended up learning everything wrong. All the fretting and all the picking and so on and so forth. But at the same time, by learning those things wrong, they developed their own style. They developed their own ways of doing it. And Mm -hmm. so, I put both of those things together. You're going to be you, no matter if you play Mary Had a Little Lamb. You're going to play Mary Had a Little Lamb like you. Regardless, if you if you heard it like anyone else was playing it or whatever,
0: yeah, for sure. The, the guitar is such a nuanced instrument, and it's the one instrument that I've never heard a plugin be able to replicate very well. Right, because like you can do fake drums or fake piano or fake orchestra and stuff, but like guitar is so nuanced. Yeah, tiny micro bends and just. Uh, You know, the fluidity and nuance on every string is so particular to every individual that, uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, that your voice is just going to naturally come through because you can play the same song as 10 other people, and there's going to be 11 different versions of it Yeah, that you're hearing just because people's skill set is different, uh, the way people pick is different, the way people palm mute is different. Absolutely. um, The way people finger, like, it's all going to be different. So, yeah, I think... I couldn't agree with you more about that.
1: Yeah, going going to the uh going back to what you were saying about the bending or the, the little nuanced things, it's so it's it's a an integral part of my lesson time with people when they first sign on to do lessons with me. I usually get it's so weird because I feel like I attract people like this because I was one and I still am one. I'm not a, I don't call people students and I assure shit, don't call myself a teacher. I'm not, I don't have the qualifications to call myself a teacher and I don't consider people students. I just have a a bit of information and experience to at least share that or want to share that with people. And so I always seem to attract people who have a little bit of knowledge, have experience playing, but don't know really where to go from there. And they've tried other means of, or other forms of lessons, and it's not hitting the mark for them. It's mm-hmm. not, it, it, they, you know, the- theory-based stuff is just so soulless to them, or whatever it is, and they come to me. And I always feel like I attract those types of people because I'm one of those types of people. Now, I've tried my hardest throughout the years to learn, you know, learn the way that I do and try to get into a way of thinking where I uh, apply the things that I know with, you know, learning bits of theory, learning bits of this, learning bits of that, um, and always constantly learn, 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 learn. And I always start my lessons out with people or my sessions, I like to call them, with, uh, by saying, you know, I'm going to tell you a bunch of things and I'm going to show you a bunch of things. But at the same time, I just want you to know that there's no right or wrong. That what we're doing here is art. At some point in time, Dolly painted a painting. Picasso painted a painting. And there were people in their fields, in the respective fields, who thought it was absolute trash and the wrong thing to do. And they did it anyway. And I was like, it's the reason Slayer exists. I was like, Slayer exists for a reason. You know what I mean? There's a million people out there who are going to say that the leads are trash or that this is this and all this other stuff. But... They have millions upon millions upon millions of fans who say otherwise. And, uh, you know, those guys don't have to work any job ever again.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: highly, highly successful and influential. And they might have done things wrong, but it worked for them. It's their art. And I always, always say that to people that I'm going to tell you some things and there's going to be right ways of doing it or thinking about it. You know, in a harmony sense, it's going to sound more pleasing to play these notes as opposed to these notes, minor, major, you know, this, this sort of thing. Yeah. And what scales to, what modes to apply to certain uh, chords and what scales to apply to certain keys, so on and so forth. But at the same time, this is about you. This is about your individual voice. This is putting your fret, putting your fingers on a fretboard to express yourself and what you want to be. And I always say when I start to get into um, the vibrato part, uh, the vibrato side of stuff, because there's a lot of people who hit me up and they're like, oh man, you're vibrato, you're vibrato. And I'm like, dude, this is the most important part of playing guitar ever. And at least that's the way (laughs) I think. I was like, this is the most important thing. This is the coolest thing the guitar does. It's the most important part it sets every single it sets apart from everything else an instrument can do because this part i can put my hands on the fretboard on the strings and play notes in a sequence super fast and that's cool and i love hearing people do that and i love doing it myself But nothing's going to set me apart, and my actual heart and soul does not leap out of me into this fretboard until I start bending those strings.
0: Yeah, there's so much nuance and uh, harmonic overtones and soul and emotion and feeling. I'm like, that's so much of that in a bend that you can't get with a fucking note that you don't wiggle. Exactly. I I always say that to people
1: when we start to get into the vibrato side of things. I'm like, that is your actual soul coming out. That is your heart, that is your emotion. That's you coming out. And that's what separates it, the guitar from everything else. I know a lot of other things can start to bit, you know bend pitch and all this other stuff, but with a guitar, this is what we're, this is how we're able to do it. You can play chords it is all day long. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I always Going back to what you were saying, that kind of that related to to all of that. So it's fun to do that stuff, man. I love to. Uh, I've like uh, Jen and and her family when I'll start to talk about anything because I have like a passion for a lot of stuff. They're like Reese. I think you have a real knack for teaching, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I loved. I love at least being, uh, just given a little bit of. I don't know, information and passion behind that to people who are passionate about the same things that I'm talking about at least because yeah. I, I guess if I had to teach anything and I didn't like it then that that I would fail of course but I love showing people how to play guitar.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun and anything I think um, yeah. to teach someone about something that they're interested in that you also love. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun, especially man. if they're gonna give you money for your time to do that. Oh, I mean, dude, that's a pretty good way to make a
1: buck. <laughs> it, it it is, and it's it's super rewarding. What rewarding not for the money's sake, but when I actually see these people apply anything that I show them. When I see people like do it, or when people have those like epiphanies, like those aha moments where they're applying stuff and they see like I see it through the screen. I'll see them go, Where is it? you know, I'll see them actually do it. <laughs> man, it almost makes me cry, man. Like, it's so fucking cool to see people actually get something out of it. And, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's super rewarding. And, like, whenever I do lessons with people, I I always try to make it as worth their dollar as I can. Like, they can contact me at any moment. You know, they, they can email me, they can DM me, they can do anything, ask me any question they want. I'll send tabs, I'll send videos, and and I stay on extra time, you know. I try to make it as worthwhile as possible because I'm still in I still have the mindset that I can't believe that people even want to do this, you know, with me. So I'm grateful for it and uh, it's all it's a lot of fun too. So
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, and when the you know, talking about the bends and that's how your soul comes out. There, there are a couple of things that could kind of prevent someone's soul from coming out properly with the bends. A, you need strong hands. Yeah. Yeah. And B, like if your strings are too heavy, even if your hands are strong, dude, that fucking, those bends are not going to come out the way you want them to. Yeah.
1: You're totally right, man. You're totally yeah. right.
0: But you know, that's a case of the guitar fighting you instead of Working with you exactly, where you, yeah. you you play a little bit lighter strings than I do, and mm-hmm. when I play your guitars, I'm like, oh no wonder, yeah, you're, you're flying, yeah, so great, <laughs> like yeah, these things are so nice to bend. Yeah, it, it's only a ten percent difference on like our high E string. You're playing nines, I'm playing tens. Yeah, but that ten percent of difference in thickness of the string is a huge difference in how easy
1: it is to bend. It does make a big difference. It does make a big difference. Um, but you gotta you got a right pick hand that would that would go through fucking steel. So um, I mean, I do it all the time. I'm string breaker. Yes, I mean, I, my my <laughs> my my pick hand. I always play rhythms, and I always uh, work on rhythms. And I have I have a right hand that can be heavy, but I also have lead guitar player mind where if it's got to be any sort of intricate or fast, I'm going to naturally loosen up. i not loosen up, but lighten up. And so, if I've got to be heavy, it's going to be heavy. But if I've got to go quick, or if I got to do something that's intricate, I'm going to lighten up. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, that's the way my right hand works. I'm not going to like. I know. I, I know some people who I call friends. Um, who, dude, I just don't understand how they fucking ha- like. If they played one of my guitars, they would break every string just with one hit. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Like, tone is cool. I get where you're coming from, but that's a little excessive. It's not a drum set, it's a guitar, you know. But and it works for them. So
0: Yeah. That's one thing I notice between uh our string gauges is yeah. you know, when I'm going to bend a note on the high E like I got to fucking be juiced and like here you gotta, we go Yeah, you got to work for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um especially back in the day when we were in standard tuning 440 um yeah. with the man. tens on the high end. Fuck, man. Yeah, that's like bending the 22 up to a high E like Gnarly. it takes a lot of muscle to get that thing up there.
1: Are you recording and need to do multiple takes? Pussy. I don't know. Nah, nah. I've got I've got my TBZ I've got my TBZ and uh and uh standard tuning because monolith is uh, doing standard tuning uh e-, e 440 and um no man like all of time is up when I hear you do a lead you always you, uh, there's a lot of leads that have a high bend and I'm like I know he did multiple takes of that and sometimes I'm like his fingers must have been hurting after that session, because I know he did multiple <laughs> takes of that shit. And that, back in the day, we were
0: tuned to E and fuck, man. Yeah, and all of my solos on "Time Is Up" are double tracked. Yeah, double tracked. Sure. Yep. And even you know, listening back to that stuff, um, I think this is always is going to happen, especially when you're a teenager versus how old we are now. Nah. But I listen back to time is up and I'm like, fuck, I could have like played that so much better. Like <laughs> I've played it better than it is on the record live a hundred times. Yeah. And it goes with a lot of different things. Um, a lot of different parts of songs, but uh, it is what it is. I guess the good side of that is just knowing that I've gotten better at playing guitar. Oh yeah, history. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, man.
1: Um, with time is up. When I listen to time is up or like point in return and, a natural selection it's not so much like i could have played it better i'm just like why did i play that <laughs> and it, i i think that that's the the mindset i'm in now i didn't start taking a turn even though i feel like when i listen back to old stuff i'm like man that's you know that's cool you know that's really cool and i'm the type of person who goes back and listens to our I'll listen to us all the time. I'll list, I've listened. I listen to V. I, I we were having a discussion about this not too long ago, but I listen to V at least once a week. I listen to it. I listen to Havoc stuff or even Monolith stuff just to check up to see if I'm crazy and thinking that it was cool. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you ever do yeah, that, yeah, but I understand. Yeah. I, I I go back for
1: for it just just to see if like am I am I shot like was. what I was listening to back in the day or when I recorded this or a week after I recorded this or a week after its release, is it still cool or is it not cool? And I'll
0: listen to it and be like, Oh, it's cool. This is cool. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I listen back to our old stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of parts that still make me excited and go like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is a good thing that we haven't aged terribly, you know, that'd be, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Not very good feeling, but uh I, I do feel that way sometimes about some of my very, very, very old lyrics. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> like, what was I saying? Oh yeah, that's right, I was 15 when I wrote this song. Yeah, yeah, so I mean... I, I was a fucking, you know, sophomore in high school when I wrote this.
1: <laughs> people aren't going to get that perspective, they're not going to get that... Uh, other side of the story, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. They're just going to hear it and be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? (laughs) Which which is fine. You know, it's a a matter of public record at this point. You know, we're we're the ones that put the stuff out. So whatever. Tis what it is. Yeah. But um, I, I have one last question that I wanted to ask you from a Patreon person, and then that's it for all the questions. Okay, cool. This one says, awesome playing on all the Havoc albums. I agree with this man. (laughs) Or woman, or Zimzer, I'm not sure. Well, thank you, being, genderless being. (laughs) Okay, it says, Evile is coming out with their first album in eight years this April. So for the sake of being topical, and due to the fact that they've been my favorite band for about seven years, I have to ask, what is your relationship with the band, i.e. when did you first discover slash start listening to them, and how long have you been acquainted with the guitarist slash now vocalist of the band Old Drake? Thanks for all the amazing music. Cannot wait for the next Havoc release. Hmm. I
1: had never really known the dude until social media brought us together. And, um, yeah, just like anything else, social media has brought us together, and uh, we were able to talk about, you know, guitars and all this other stuff and he's been a very 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 nice person uh to me and has said very very flattering things that like i just don't understand because
0: he's so damn good yeah he's a fucking ripper dude ripper some of the evil solos are fucking insane and I the remember rhythms, hearing some of them too. for the first time and just being like jesus christ Like he's going to melt the frets off of the fucking guitar.
1: Yeah. The lead playing is amazing. And the rhythm guitar playing is just ferocious. It's yeah. It's great. they
0: right hand stuff.
1: They got great tones too. Um, I always really liked the sound of their guitars. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's as far as being acquainted with them and, and knowing them and stuff. Um, yeah, I always really liked what they had done. I just, I think the minute it came out, well, not the minute it came out, uh, it was, what, Friday, I guess. I woke up for work. I wake up very early for work, and it had been out. And I uh, listened to the track and thought it was super cool. um, I don't think they're going to skip a beat with uh, Old being the the vocalist. It's a different approach. It's a more aggressive approach for vocals, which I think is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, man, they seem to be ramping up and... I hope there's a point in time where we can get through all this COVID stuff and get to a point where we could at least play some shows because I'd really like to play some shows with those dudes.
0: Yeah, same here. So when did you first hear about Evile? Because I've been aware of them since probably 2004 or 05.
1: Yeah, I I would say it was somewhere around that same time too. Uh, funny enough, when I found Evile, I also found Havoc. Um it, and it might it might have been a little tiny bit later maybe a couple years after I graduated high school when I found all this stuff out I was still listening to i mean the newest stuff that I was listening to was like shadows fall and uh you know like heavier stuff and getting into like not getting into but you know getting the new Bodom release or getting the new demo release or getting the yeah. new de- decapitated record or. Uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, like listening to, or you know, getting the newest Malmsteen record, or I don't, I don't know, I was listening to a bunch of stuff like that, and then I found that people were playing, you know, thrash metal, like 100% thrash, not thrashy elements, not like a, you know, a thrash and thrashy Swedish death metal type thing. It was solely thrash metal music, and it was, uh Evile. I saw Havoc, and then I saw a bunch of other poser type stuff out there with like some per- <laughs> dudes who were like super into looking the part, and who were like pretty boys who like played flying V's. So I was like, "What the fuck's this all about?" And it was on MySpace, so and it was I- Havoc,
0: right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
1: I found I found both Evile and Havoc, and I was like, "What the fuck?" People are playing thrash metal. And I thought this was cool, so I was a fan of both bands maybe around that time. And funny enough, here we are all these years later uh, through MySpace.
0: Yeah. Crazy. I remember discovering Evil and they had Enter the Grave and some other songs on there way back in the day. And I remember when Havoc first started and we first had our very first recordings, Evil was one of the only bands that was around that was a newer, younger thrash band that I could find. Right. They were one of the... Like, I could count them all in, on one hand when we first started, and Evile was one of them. So I, I've known about those guys for a long time, and that's super cool that you were aware of Evile and Havoc, and now here we are on the calendar 10 years into you being in the band. Yeah, man, it's wild, dude. It's really wild. And time We've moves. seen a lot of shit. Time moves fast,
1: and and it's crazy. I, I had always... Uh, it's when I first joined the band for the longest time, I had always had this mindset of like, uh shit. Like, I don't know. Cause I just didn't know. Like it was such a big leap for me. And, and, and Pete, it it was in a similar boat. Like we were from the East coast. I was from the Southern half and he's from the Northeast. And, but we both come from so far away joining a band where we don't know anyone and then we're going to try to make this – we're just going to try to make this the thing that we always wanted to be,
0: which is a very wild concept. Like, Yeah, I, it's a pretty huge shot in the dark. And I, hats off to both of you guys for being down to do it, um, well, you know, the, being down to move 2,000 miles away and be like, I guess we'll fucking give this a shot.
1: Well, on the other side of the <laughs>
0: spectrum, it's like –
1: I couldn't believe that people would ha- want to have me in their house.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know, like. All to- of Havoc lived in my house for a long time. We had yeah. band members living in and out of my house for fucking a decade. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And it, it, it was just, every every part about it was so wild. And I just, for, you know, for the longest time, I was like, I don't, at least that the initial, like, first two months that I was in the band, I was like, I don't know if this is going to (laughs) work. And here we are 10 years later.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here we are 10 years later. You got to hook up with Dean and Seymour Duncan and PV amps. And we've been to probably what? 70 countries or something like that. Something crazy like that. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, Yeah. I remember when you joined Time Is Up was virtually all finished. Right. It, It just needed solos and maybe a couple of vocal parts. And uh You know, we got that thing wrapped up and relentlessly toured for the next 10 years, basically. Mm -hmm. In eight years. Yeah. But uh, crazy, crazy shit. Yeah, I I told Pete, I'm pretty convinced that time accelerates. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: We know what it takes as older people. You know, it's kind of like when you're a smaller person. Everything back when you were tiny was fucking huge
0: a huge chunk of your life was a year yeah
1: yeah well, well i mean like physically a, a, physically everything you're small so everything's gigantic sure. but time okay, is, yeah but, but time is the same way like a car ride to go to the store seemed like it took forever and totally. you 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 anticipated this huge trip across town and as <laughs> as older people like i get through a week in the blink of an eye and i don't even know where the fucking time went and i get through a month in the blink of an eye and i don't even know where the fucking time went cuz i know every single is jam packed with something every single week's jam packed with something it takes a fraction of a hair of a second for that to flash by most of what gets has to be <laughs> most of what happens in adult life is shit you don't want to do so you're you're wishing for it to go by and then, or you're hoping for it to go by without any hiccups, and then by the time that happens, everything else is done too, and you're down a year and it yeah, it does accelerate our <laughs> being a, being yeah. an older being an older person, we know what is you know what to anticipate and how things go, so our sense of time is very narrow. it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as when we were younger people, it just seemed like an eternity to get to the fucking grocery store you know it's weird it's wild
0: yeah i remember that sometimes we would go from you know our place when we were kids downtown to go to a colorado rockies baseball game right and the drive is like you know 20 minutes or something and as a little kid it felt like oh fuck like this (laughs) this is gonna take all day felt like it was an hour (laughs) you know it's it's 18 minutes down the road yeah but as a little kid your perception of time is so different from ours yeah and uh it slips away from you so we have to enjoy our lives while we can because it's very short and obviously can end at any time is there any place that we haven't been that you really want to go to on tour um uh yeah well
1: well, i want to go to new zealand New Zealand. Yeah, me too. I want to go to, I want to go to New Zealand. Um, and I want to go to, well, number one overall, I want to go to Alaska. I want to go to Alaska really bad. Um, I just think it's so cool. I, the, you know, I just think it's so crazy. Like I think the, the, the nature is so weird, I think or not weird. I think it's awesome. I think the people who chose to go there so many years ago and live, I think the American people who were who were born in the lower forty eight who eventually went there to live and never looked back. I think that that's a wild concept and
0: totally is yeah,
1: I think that's so cool. and I just i I have a fascination with Alaska and you know how isolated some parts of it can be and all that stuff it's like a reverse desert
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. totally Um, yeah i think that's the only state we've not been to yeah i'm not sure that we've played in every state but we've definitely driven through every state minus alaska yeah
1: yeah exactly and i i definitely definitely want to go there and play Um, new
0: zealand and alaska sound both great to me I'd like to go to Alaska in the summertime when the sun never goes down. Yeah, of the
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I don't, laughs> Maybe the
0: I, second time to Alaska will go in the winter.
1: I don't want to go in the winter time <laughs> just because I I feel that it would be kind of hairy to to even get in and out of Alaska with the weather because the weather's so crazy there. So yeah. I I feel that you know a a summer trip would be the smoothest. But I uh, I would love to go there. Um, there are places that we've only been once that I would love to go back to. Um, Such
0: as? Well,
1: Japan for one. I feel feel that I, being what I'm into and being what I was into even then, I feel like I dropped the ball with so much that I had chose to do uh, there or at least try to find to do um, because at the time we went I was pretty sick. I got a sinus infection or something and I was just down and out. We went from we went from places in Southeast Asia that were close to the equator where it was 80 or 90 some degrees to Japan and China and stuff like that, where it was winter time. Cause it was the Northern hemisphere. And I, I just remember my whole system, like everything just kind of just said, what the fuck? And I remember when we had landed it was cool to be in Japan. We got some dinner, but then we were in the Tokyo Airport for what, eight or ten
0: hours sleeping on <laughs> sleeping yeah, in the airport. Think, yeah, we were there for a long fucking time. Yeah. I can't remember what what we were waiting for or we're, why we were waiting, but I do remember being in Narita Airport for way, way, way too long. We
1: were waiting <laughs> for we were waiting for our tour manager slash promoter to pick mm-hmm. us up. And I think his availability after picking up the rest of the bands, it didn't ha it, it couldn't happen until eight or 10 hours later or something like that. Then after we get out of the airport, we have to jam all of our gear into a couple cars. Then after that, we have to hike all of our gear. I don't- oh
0: yes. I remember that. Marsh. You remember that? Oh my God, dude. Yeah. We had to schlep our gear like, Legitimately probably like a mile and a half, maybe two miles. Yeah. Like heavy ass guitars and like all of the merch and like yeah. all of our shit, our luggage, everything. Like two miles or something.
1: Because boys and girls, check this out. Uh for people who are now benefiting from the uh uh the the wonder that is uh, inky cases, uh we were <laughs> we did not have those and decided that it was a really Amazing idea to bolt two guitar cases together and carry them like that uh, across Southeast Asia and Europe many times. And Still south- was a good idea. Still was a good that idea. Day. That but day
0: not, was not fun. <laughs> that day was
1: not fun. And it's like you hear uh, one and a half, two miles, and you're like, oh, that's no big deal. We're carrying like two guitar cases stuck together so, uh, all of our lives on our back, you know, for five weeks or four weeks or whatever it was. Um, and, and then uh, something else heavy in the other hand, like a big pedal board or Pete symbols or uh, <laughs> something like that. And it was, it was a little much when you're an international touring band, you know, and in your mind, you're hoping that you throw all your stuff into some sort of Sprinter van or some sort of van and go to the venue or go to a hotel and, and walk it
0: 40 feet into the walk, hotel lobby and that's yeah, it.
1: And that's it. And sometimes it is like that. A lot of times it is like that when you're traveling yeah. international. But a lot of times it's not. And that was one of the times. <laughs> that was one of the times it wasn't. And after that, we had arrived at the promoter's house, which I guess he didn't spend a lot of time there, so his heat was out. And like I said, yeah, I remember
0: it, it was fucking cold yeah, in there.
1: And, and like I said, we, we had been going to places where like we had just played in in Thailand and Singapore, which Thailand and Singapore were both warm. Then from
0: Malaysia, yeah, all all those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Malaysia. And it was warm outside and humid. And then from there we go to Japan and it's, you know, 35, 40 degrees outside. And it's, it, it was, my body was all kinds of fucked up. And, uh, yeah, it was wild, dude. It was real wild. But you know, one of those things I'll never forget, but I've loved
0: a lot of stories like that, man. There's, there's a lot of those stories that I, I remember them, you know, as soon as you brought it up, I knew exactly what you were talking about. But when I think about like Japan or I think about this place or that place, those are the things that my brain like tuned out. And, and like rejects from memory. <laughs> so when I think, <laughs> think of these places, I remember them like, oh, that was super cool. We got to go to that place. Cause, uh, yeah, I remember those things, but my brain's like, no, nah, we're going to like, you put don't that need one that way yeah. in the, <laughs> you know, storage locker way you back there.
1: You don't need that anymore. Yeah, you don't need that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have tons of those stories. And, and you'll have to come on some other time and we'll have to talk about more tour stories. Cause God knows we could go on and on. Yeah, I, and you have a very good memory for a lot of these things. You, you bring up stuff sometimes, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I haven't thought of that in like five <laughs> years. So I know this is a podcast in which you have guests on,
1: and you ask questions, and we kind of riff back and forth, but I actually had a couple questions for you. Yeah, um, hit me. I definitely have uh, answers to these questions, too, but I wanted to get your uh, kind of input or uh, your opinion on these things because i've been wanting to ask people these things for a while and Mm -hmm. it uh it definitely uh it, it not better suited uh for a person that i'm actually in a band with so my first question is say there's some sort of situation where COVID ends tomorrow or you know restrictions on people traveling
0: Mm-hmm.
1: things can happen life can go back to normal you know all of our booking agents bans everything magically you know touring happen happens again yeah we can literally go on tour tomorrow and magically our booking agents and management have a tour for us tomorrow because they anticipated it for some odd reason mm-hmm. i don't know about you but i feel i've aged 20 years and no, no exaggeration, I feel I've aged 20 years in this, in this whole time of COVID and our COVID world. Yeah. And my question is with all that, with all of our time off, and then tomorrow we can tour. If you're on a tour bus tomorrow, or you're in a venue, or we're on the road for a month, what is your mindset? What are you doing different? how are you now living on tour? What would you do?
0: Different than I used to?
1: Yeah. Like, like, are you, are you still behaving the same way? Are you still thinking the same way? Are you still, you know, eating the same things, drinking the same things, reading the same things, so on and so forth. Like what has this Mm. whole time in COVID and our COVID world and your experiences this past year, what, has that done that would change you and your
0: touring life? One thing that I might do is um, I've hung out with and met a lot of really cool people. And I was in the moment hanging out with them that I consciously didn't say like, Hey, let's stop this great conversation so we can take a picture. Smile. Right. You know? Yeah. That's something that I might do if touring came back is like document things Prosperity. better because we do a lot of really cool shit but I don't have like evidence of a lot of it. Right. So that's something that I may do differently is is document things a little bit more. Um you know, I I might shake people's hands and then lick my palm just to make sure I get a little <laughs> bit of immunity. Yeah. But, you know, if we were on tour, I think I would probably try to make an effort to go eat dinner or lunch or whatever at a mom and pop place, mm-hmm. you know, figure out who's got good food in the area and go pay them a visit and give them 15 bucks for, for a meal so that they don't shut down. I would try to make sure that every show I'm delivering a thousand percent of what I'm capable of. Right. And not phoning it in or taking it for granted. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes on tour, you're still very into it and shit. You have to be to play Havoc stuff. It's right. not a walk in the park. No. It's very demanding music, and you need to be pepped up and have energy. Right. But, you know, there are times where I've been uh, mentally, like, not all there, not all focused. Maybe it's because of a lack of sleep or maybe being hungover or... And not eating the right thing or whatever. But that's something that I would definitely be more conscious of. Make sure that I'm putting proper biological fuel into my body. Yeah. Not getting all fucked up. Not that I've ever had a huge problem with that anyways. Right. But I would just be trying to present the best possible form of havoc that's ever existed. Because we're not getting any younger. We're not getting any better looking. Right. And I would want to present ourselves in a on a higher platform to make people walk away from the show with their brains all over the ground, right, you know like, yeah, holy shit, that was the coolest thing I ever saw. Yeah, yeah, totally. What about you? What would you do differently on tour if it picked right back up? Well, that, like I said,
1: I feel like I've aged 20 fucking years and not I wouldn't say in a bad way. I just feel, you know. Of course, things would change, and I would get used to longer nights as opposed to earlier mornings, like I do now. But you know, I'm I'm naturally a morning person, and so my nights would end early. You know my my nights spent hanging out um, would my my nights spent hanging out. You know. Not rested up and not bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for the next day—that would probably end. I would get a good night's try to get a good night's sleep every single night now. Um, And this whole time, I've realized that now when I wake up, even after having one drink of alcohol, I feel it the next day. Mm -hmm. And and so I've reduced that to days in which I don't have much going on. Which by the time I get to the point in the night. And the next day is a Saturday, and it's the weekend, and I can sleep in or something like that. I'm too tired to even have a sip of alcohol, so I just don't do it. And I, I've severely, re, like drastically, I should say, reduced my alcohol intake. And that's something that I do way different. Um I practice, even though I was never seen without a guitar on tour, it would be even more so. Yeah, I mean, basically along the lines of that, I I feel that also my mental capacity, my situational uh, awareness, my physical being, like all of it's a lot stronger than it was. And with the mental side of things is I'm less likely, even more so than I was when we were touring, I'm less likely to deal with any sort of funny business or bullshit that I, my, my tolerance for fuckery is at an all time low and I am quicker to just completely shut it down these days. Cause I have zero time to tolerate it. Um, but in a, in a mature way and in a, uh, a way that can be, um, adults and productive as opposed to, uh, <laughs> deconstructive and, uh, 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 you know, combative or whatever.
0: Yeah. But, I understand what you mean,
1: but yeah, I, I, I would be more of like a, like an old man. <laughs> I would be more like an old man on tour these days. That's exactly, uh, it
0: <laughs> in like, Hey, you guys are, you know, wasting time and fucking around Like, knock that shit off? Is that what you mean? No, 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 no. I mean, just for me personally. Like, I
1: would never tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do. I mean, for me, what I would do. Like, you know, as as far as... And what I mean by, like, tolerance for bullshit. Like, if I... If bullshit was in my face, or if there was a situation where I thought it was completely unacceptable, or it was just some... Something that just could not... (sighs) Something that was going nowhere... These days, I'm quicker to go knock it the fuck off or get it the fuck out of my face or stop it. Um, This is not right. This is not productive. This is not positive. This is not this. This is not that. Quit it Yeah. or I'm out of here. That sort of thing. And that
0: awareness is a good thing. You're going to save a lot of time and heartache. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. But as far as what I would do uh, personally, like my mindset and how I would – regiment, I would regiment things a lot more. I would be a lot, I, you know, I would want to be up early in the morning. I would want to still, I would want to be a bit more physical. I would want to, uh, get a lot more sleep, um, reduce alcohol intake. You know, that, that's, that's the stuff that would change 100% from times before. I never really did stay up all hours of the night and I did wake up really early already, but, um, it probably would be even more so these days. Um, but yeah, sure. like an like an old man. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, get down to business. We're not here to fuck around, gentlemen. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> totally get it. So you had other questions, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, hit me.
1: So this kind of gets into philosophy and some things that I've heard you say in the past that I always thought that was pretty cool and it relating to psychedelics and Mm -hmm. relating to the positive mind altering substances um where you can squash ego yeah and the importance of squashing the ego Mm -hmm. and i always thought that was a really cool i always thought that was really cool but i'm um I'm the type of person who at the end of the day, it's with myself more than anything else, but I've always been competitive and I've always been competitive. And I wouldn't say comparing. I'm not saying like, uh, in a girl's way where it's like, she's got that dress fuck her type of thing. But like, I mean, like this dude's chops are great, man. I'm going to, I've, I've got to, I've got to step my game up. Um, like when Jack Black talks about like Kobe, Kobe used to go, you know, he would do a tech, he would learn Texas two step if it may, meant his game was better or whatever. Like yeah. he would, you know, a competitive nature, but a healthy competitive nature, at least mm-hmm. in my mind. True. Sure. And, a, and a sense of ego in which you have that in yourself, your confidence to better your position or better your craft. Do you feel that a, healthy competition and ego, do those words in a positive way ever creep into your mind or your speech or whatever, uh, even while trying to keep all that stuff at bay?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think striving to be a better version of yourself is definitely a worthwhile venture, whether that's in your craft or in your art or in your you know physical capabilities or whatever it is bettering yourself in some way shape or form i don't think is necessarily an egotistical thing to do i think that's a fairly you know stoic thing to do and you know the stoics were very against ego and basically bettering yourself I think there's a big difference between bettering yourself and having some sense of accomplishment and having a false sense of a grand ego. A lot of people that have on the surface really big egos actually have very fragile, small egos. Oh but 100%. they inflate it. Yes. You know, to to make it seem like, you know, they're bigger and tougher and stronger or whatever it is. But, you know, if you actually like scratch beyond the surface the the person has a very low opinion of themselves and they tend to balloon out their chest and act like they're <laughs> s- Be all super up. badass yeah 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 for sure like peacocking basically yeah and i think there's a big difference between bettering yourself and having a big ego and being like an egomaniac and super vain and into yourself. I think there's a pretty stark difference between those two things. I think that you can commit ego side and not have a big ego and not be super into yourself and be the best at something.
1: Okay. So like what, basically what I'm saying is, is if I had watched Michael Jordan describe everything he described in the documentary series, I haven't
0: seen it yet. I need to see it, but yeah, go ahead.
1: I didn't see it either. I know a lot about what went into it, and I had researched a lot of stuff that went into it. Also, was uh, it's just one of those things for me. If I get into a topic, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm looking at a salt lamp here. I'm going to look up salt lamps, and I want to know everything about salt lamps. Like Mm -hmm. that's just the way I am. Yeah, I've 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 researched and and looked up so much stuff about Michael Jordan in the past. And had already known these things that, you know, on the surface before this documentary came out, everybody thought that, you know, Jordan was like this sweet, even keel type baller. Right. When in fact, he's a fucking sociopath who is a super competitive person and will do anything to win. But it wasn't negative. And I think, not to say that it was the most positive in some of the ways he explains things how he was positioned, how he, I wouldn't say treated people. I mean, he, yeah, I guess treated people, but what that inevitably did for not just himself, but his teammates, the organization, you know, a legacy, the game, everything, his family, all this stuff benefited from his mindset. I would almost like for you to see the documentary or to know that about him and say okay is what he describes himself or describes the situations as a positive thing. Does that creep into anything that we talk about or what we do? That competitive nature that pushes things, you know, forward.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen the documentary, so I can't speak to anything about the Michael Jordan thing specifically.
1: I mean, like if you were taking that mentality the way that he had it, or anyone like that, because I mean a lot of those types of guys had that type of mentality and you were just placing it into like our lives. Like is that is that something that you could be like, Okay, I see I could see where that could be necessary to push the needle.
0: Well, like I said, I, I think that being competitive and becoming the best version of oneself doesn't necessarily have to be holding hands with having a big ego. I I think Uh, you can definitely still have a small ego and like I said, still be the very best at something. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are insanely talented in their field, but they're super genuinely humble and don't think they're that special, but they're fucking like gods in their field. Yeah. These people do exist. They're more rare than not. Yeah. But, there's plenty of people out there that are, you know, they're, they're aware that they're a fucking ultimate super badass, but they don't act like they are, I guess. And I guess I'm just saying that you can have a competitive nature where mm-hmm. the competition is not to outdo the other person, but to better yourself. Yeah. And I think there is a healthy way to be competitive mm-hmm. with yourself Right. Without blowing right. up your head and uh about your successes or about your uh, achievements. Yeah. Okay. Interesting question, but I need to watch that Michael documentary, the Michael yeah. Jordan one and circle back to this sometime when we can talk again.
1: Yeah. I always thought it was, I've got a competitive nature and my dad's got a competitive nature and I, my dad is more competitive than I am. And, and never translated in sports because by when I was playing sports, I didn't care about sports. I didn't care about sports at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't start caring about sports until I was well into playing guitar. And then I really cared about sports. And I still do. But that competitive nature in my dad went over into me because my dad is the type of person to be competitive with a person, to be competitive with... Uh, you know, society or, you know, to be competitive, like that sort of thing. I always thought that that was a negative way to look at those things because I didn't see anything getting done in that. I didn't see, for one, a positive in it, and I didn't see anything where having that type of competitive mind frame got anything done in the first place because it never materialized
0: well if if you're competing like i said to to better yourself and that's something that your your long-term goal is i think that's a worthy investment of time i think the big difference that's meaningful at least to me is if you're competing against someone else, let's say you're a runner and you're Mm -hmm. trying to be the fastest person in the world, but this other guy always beats you, well, if you keep training until you're the guy that beats him and you're the fastest person, Mm. you shouldn't look at your achievement of becoming the fastest person as, um, you know, not worth something and not something to uh, relish in and, you know, appreciate and and love about yourself i think the big difference is where if the competition with the other person is all about propping getting yourself into a better place by squashing and crushing the other person i think that's where it can become toxic and negative when it becomes more about destroying the other person instead of getting yourself to be better at whatever the goal is yeah does that make sense A hundred percent. You know, like if, um, if you're the best at something, as long as the goal is not to destroy the other, but it's about being the best at it. I mean, once you're the best at it, I think you should have every right. And it makes perfect sense to really soak that in and find appreciation. Like, holy shit, I did this. Like, that's amazing. I think that's more important than trying to say like, yeah, fuck that guy.
1: Yeah. I, what I was getting with it when I was talking to, uh, um, about my dad is I I had saw those things with my dad and his competitive nature at the time. And I was a kid and I was just starting to play guitar. And then I started to get better at guitar and I started to be in bands and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And I took that and I would be like, that doesn't seem like it's the right way of thinking or the right way to do this. And so my competitive nature became more about competing with myself. If I don't have this licked down, By this time, well, then I've, you know, I'm just not good enough. I've got to have it down by at least this time. Or I've got to have this whole song down by at least the end of the day. Or I've got to have this whole set learned by the end of this week. And Mm -hmm. setting goals and and being super competitive with myself and seeing that, that type of competition and carrying that type of competitive spirit in me was a super positive way of looking at something like that and then being wrapped up in myself in a competitive way with the ego factor coming in. And that was basically my question. Is like, I've always thought my competitive nature dipped into an ego side of things, but in a way that would springboard me into the position that I'm in now. Or I wouldn't say springboard. It wasn't exactly a hop, skip, and a jump to get here but at least put me in a position as to where I am right now. And it still fuels me. The question was looking at everything in that way, is that, that would, that would be a positive as opposed to like, because, you know, I always really loved your concept and I know it's not your concept, but it's a concept you continue to talk about and carry on the philosophy of because I've heard other people talk about it and you know different philosophical people throughout history talk about squashing ego and 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 benefiting from that. Um, but I always thought that that was really cool. I always thought that that was a really cool way of thinking about it. Like get rid of that shit because it's not about you. The universe doesn't revolve around you. You're just a part of a very, very endless amount of crazy shit you know you're just you're not even a little speck in the the sand of the beach (laughs) right
0: well that recognition is um makes it a lot easier to commit ego side on a daily basis but yeah i think that it is totally possible though to better yourself like you're saying you know compete with yourself and come out victorious against the old version of you right i think that's entirely possible to do that without having necessarily an inflated ego or getting a big ego or seeing yourself as like ultra important, I think you can appreciate your own, um, accomplishments. Right. Without it turning into conceit. I think that's definitely possible. Like I said, there's some people that are the greatest ever at what they do and they're super humble and they don't have a giant chip on their shoulder. They're just, Yeah, yeah, whatever. I just do what I do. But yeah. everyone else sees them, and they're like, "Jesus Christ, you're amazing!" Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff like that. And anytime I watch videos of behind-the-scenes stuff and see shit with like Dimebag Daryl, he seems like that kind of a guy. He's one of oh, the totally. best guitar players that ever lived, and he seems like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's just just a thing. I'm yeah. Like, no, you're one of the best guitar players that ever lived, and he's just like, yeah, whatever, man. Check this out. <laughs> 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 he like you know brushes it off. Yeah. And and he's a good example of one of those types of people I think where he outdoes himself. He's in competition with himself to be better than he was yesterday or 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. But he for does sure. that all without being like, look at me, I'm the fucking shit, man. Y- yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. totally. And, and
0: yeah, I I'm, I find that incredibly um attractive with anybody. That's mm-hmm. you know can like just hang that up and be like yeah whatever just like be laid back about stuff yeah. you know everybody else can see you're you're the shit right. you don't need to like walk around telling people it's, that you are yeah, or, exactly it, it's <laughs> it's, it, it's advertising it you know
1: it, it yeah there's it, it's it's no different than you know telling everybody you're tough and that you can kick their asses probably means that you can't do that at all and that you're not <laughs> that you're not tough at all it's it's like the giant truck small dick thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Did you have any other questions as well? I have one other question. Yeah. Hit me. I've got a couple more for you. Okay, cool. We're
1: taking a uh, completely, uh, we're going off the rails with this one a little bit.
0: Oh, cool. I can't wait.
1: Okay. So being that you have a podcast and a, uh, merch company that kind of revolves around this, Phrase and revolves around this uh, symbol. I want to see where you're at with the hijacking of historical images mm-hmm. um, and their meaning. And kind of enlighten people what some of these images mean to you because I know that it's a sour, sore subject for me because people aren't educated enough to at least do a little bit of research and, f- and figure out exactly what these things mean, but now they automatically mean um, negative things. So with Riffs or Die, the join or die um, snake, the flag, the mm-hmm. so on and so forth, we've got the Gadsden flag, the don't tread on me. Um, and other related U.S. historical images that are now synonymous with extreme right-leaning ways Crazy of thinking. People. Yeah, yeah w- ways of thinking. And I just wanted to get your uh, take on all of that.
0: Well, I call the thing Riffs or Die, and I've been saying it since even before it was a company or I've made the podcast or T-shirts or anything like that. We we made a havoc, Riffs or Die, sure, yeah, once yeah, upon the yeah. time. Yep. But, yeah... I hijacked the join-or-die snake that's from this old flyer from the Revolutionary War that was drawn up by Benjamin Franklin. And the reason I did that is because I'm way into the idea of revolting against an oppressive government. Uh, A lot of our lyrics (laughs) kind of touch on that. I meant...
1: Other people are taking the images for their own political agendas, as meaning hijacked, not you hijacked in a negative way. Okay, no, no, no. sorry. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm, I'm just explaining to people because cool, a lot cool. of people hit me up yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they see someone wearing like a coffee or die shirt or a join or die flag that they see in some documentary and they're like, dude, dude check it out. They're stealing your logo. I'm like, no, I stole that image. Right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a really old ancient relic about the United States, the, you know, the original colonies overthrowing the greatest army the world had ever seen. It's, uh, you know, a powerful image in my mind and it stuck out in my head since I was a teenager. I always thought that was so cool. And, uh, other people hijacking images and changing them into something else. Can you give me an example
1: Well, yeah, I wouldn't say hijacking the images, but I wouldn't say that they're turning, they're hijacking the images for their own gain. Mm -hmm. I guess politically they are for their own gain. And, you know, I would say the hijacking in an uneducated manner and labeling it uh, XYZ, uh, hijacking it, not taking it for their own but using it against hijacking in the way that it now means something that it never meant in the first place. Okay, and like
0: what? Can you give me an example? The, well, well,
1: the join or die flag, the Gaston flag, the, you oh, know, the... yeah, the, the, the Gaston uh, red, flag? Yeah, the 13 colonies flag, the, you know, like now right. it's all synonymous with extreme right-wing QAnon, you know, drain the swamp type shit.
0: Sure, and, you know, people that say or, you know, want to drain the swamp, I don't see what the problem is with that. Right. People that are against anyone who agrees with the idea of drain the swamp, yes, Trump said it, and made it famous, but, you know, if, if you're not down with draining the swamp in Washington DC, well I mean, do you just love how politics work in this country? Do you love <laughs> all the corruption and stuff? But Yeah, I think the Gadsden flag is a really interesting one. Obviously, it's a snake. You know, it's the snake that's on Metallica's Black Album. Yes. But it's the Don't Tread On Me flag that's yellow and it has a snake. It's a rattlesnake with its tail up, ready to bite and attack. And that Don't Tread On Me flag, I agree with you. It's been used as a political punch. Yeah. Anyone that's waving that flag, and that flag represents fuck you, I won't do what you tell me because you're fucked up and corrupt and I love freedom and I love liberty and I believe in those things. Get out of my Mm -hmm. life. I don't need government to tell me that I'm allowed to do things. Right. As long as I'm not infringing on other people's rights. That's basically what the flag means. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah, And it's been
0: associated now with, like you said, far right wing uh, radicals. Mm -hmm. And it's a fucking total mind blower to me. It's a shame yeah, uh, but it but it's pretty mind-blowing that that flag is somehow viewed as like racist or offensive. Yeah, I don't like, understand That, it that flag either. means like fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I love liberty, I love freedom. Get off my back, government, and, you know, let the people do as they please and let them have their rights. That's what the flag stands for. Right, yeah. So when people get all bummed out about it or come down on it like it's got ties to racism, Or domestic terrorism or any of this shit. Like, what the fuck are you people talking about? It's really insane. Jim Morrison was completely right when he said that who controls the media controls the mind. Because the media has warped that flag into something that it's really not. And it's got, sadly, way too many millions of people thinking that that flag equals racist, Trump supporter, uh, you know, homophobe. Yeah. Which is so stupid it the the media has really brainwashed a lot of people into just becoming yes men for whatever the media wants to lie to people about right i agree. people just gobble it right up you know yeah i agree there's
1: it's it's so wild it's so insane to think you know when you see something like that that uh it, it just gets morphed into it but then you have People, the people who fly it nowadays, you know, or, or before nowadays, nowadays, um, they, they were that they were exactly what everybody's now talking about and synonymous with the, with those images to where it can never be, it's, it's never going to go back to be being seen the, the way it was originally intended. And, um, it's a fucking shame, um, and that's what I mean by hijacked images. It's the uh, the taking of something now labeled something else, and now it is completely out of you know the culture, out of it's canceled completely.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's propaganda that that's sadly still working on people. You know, the the news tells you the Gadsden flag equals super religious, far right Republican racist um, racist yeah. anti-abortion capitalist yeah but that's not what that flag necessarily represents that just happens to be a lot of the people that are flying it
1: yeah it's actually anti all that if you think about it it's yeah, it's literally yes.
0: it's like an anarchist flag basically yeah, it, it, you exactly. replace the gadsden <laughs> flag with a fucking anarchy a symbol and that's essentially the same fucking thing
1: yeah yeah
0: you know it's literally do not let me do my own yeah. shit
1: Right. Yeah. Don't fuck with what, don't fuck with my, my shit. Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck don't with my tread on me.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. as it says. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting that you never see that flag being flown by anyone on the left side of the political spectrum, because typically a lot of people on the left, it appears to me really like big government and they want government to intervene and, and provide for them and be involved in people's lives more. So I kind of understand how it has become a flag that gets waved by only one side of the political spectrum. Generally yeah. people on the right are like, fuck big government. Generally people on their left are like, we need more government.
1: Yeah, exactly. Personally, I've got it a few images uh, or a few things that have that image on it because of what we had just talked about because of what it at least means to me or meant to begin with. And I'm, and of course, you know, Metallica, that's where I that I, I loved Metallica when I was a little kid getting that record and then my dad explaining what that snake was and being like, Oh, okay, that's interesting and then, you know, knowing the history and stuff like that, and that's what it always had meant to me. And I just I and I'm a person who probably is more left of center than anything. And i d I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm more center. I wouldn't say left of center, but I would say I'm more I'm in the middle. but Most people
0: are, yeah. Most people are in the middle.
1: I'm in the middle, but I I swing left, but I don't want to be known as left or right or any of this shit. I'm just a person trying to fucking, you know, live my life a happy life and try to be as successful as I possibly can with being creative and... You know, trying to just get through life and and not have it suck too much,
0: and, and that's, that's it. most people, man. Yeah, and, that's, yeah, that's where most people live. And if you only watch the news, you'd be convinced that you know eighty <laughs> percent of the country is Democrats, hardcore right. left wing people, and twenty percent of the country is hardcore right wing people, and that's all that exists. Where in reality, you know, eighty percent of our country's population is like in the middle, like neither side has like got all the answers and we've been sold this fucked up lie that we only have two choices and right. they're, they're two wings of the same bird. You know, it's, it's really crazy where we are in this country. And you know, the fact that there's uh, you know, basically one big party masquerading as two parties that's running everything. You know, we've got songs that talk about this stuff and trying to urge people to like snap out of that, that paradigm Mm. But I don't know if it's gonna happen, and uh, you know, ten years from now, Metallica's black album is gonna be censored. They're gonna have to redo the artwork. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not looking forward to what else is gonna come along with that kind of a, a mentality as a as a culture, a national culture. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people, I. <sighs> is for as fuck I don't, I don't I don't know if this is something that you would edit or whatever so I'm just gonna say this off the top but yeah there's been a lot of there's been a I wouldn't say a lot but there's been a couple of situations where I've seen online where our band has been accused of some of this stuff uh, uh, you know over the course of the last month or so and I saw this like bogus flyer of us like on it was like iced earth havoc trapped five finger death punch or something like that. And I'm like, (laughs) and it, and it was some,
0: where'd you see that?
1: It was on Facebook and someone tagged me and Pete in it. Um, it was one of these, it was a girl that used to work at Jack's Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, her name's Marie. I, I think you remember her, but she tagged us and she was like, I don't know why you guys would be on there. And I'm like, at first I didn't pay too much of attention to it because I get, we, you know, li- like you and and everyone else in the band, we get tagged in so much shit that I don't even pay attention to it. I just said, ha ha. But then I looked at it and I was like, wait, what the fuck? They're trying to label me and my bandmates as this far right leaning racist fucking, you know, <laughs> nationalist sort of thing. And I'm like, this isn't us, this isn't anything. What we 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 don't this isn't it at all. Like. I, yeah. I don't. I don't understand how you get that out of anything that you've ever written or well, anything really funny. we've ever said. Like I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's amusing, um, especially when like "Hang 'Em High" came out and FPC came out, and then with the new record when "Post Truth Era" comes out and "Fear Campaign" comes out, and uh, it's funny to me to read the comments and some people are like, "These guys are fucking right wing." conspiracy theorists, probably Trump supporters. And in the same thread, talking about the same lyrics, other people are like, these fucking libtards over here. <laughs> like, people can't figure it out. And because they seem to be stuck in this uh, identity politics trap. Yeah, has got to be yeah, one or the other. either yeah. you're a liberal or you're a, a right-winger conservative instead of right. like, hey, we kind of don't check either of those boxes and we think Not that the all. whole that yeah. whole system of calling each other out as Democrats and Republicans is fucking stupid and getting yeah. us nowhere. Only, actually, it is getting us somewhere. It's digging a deeper hole for us yep. as a country. Yeah. But uh, it's funny that we don't stand on either side of the aisle when you read our lyrics. We're we're apolitical. We're anti-political. We're not right. a political band. We're like an anti-political band. And it's yeah. funny to read the comments and see people just missing the mark on trying to peg down exactly where we stand on on things. And you know, to make it very simple for people, a lot of the havoc lyrics, yeah, I write them, and where I stand on them is maximum freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the idea that we should be allowed to have individual liberty and do whatever we please, as long as we're not infringing on the rights of other people. Right. And, you know, a lot of people call me a lot of crazy things and names for that ideology being the fuel for a lot of Havoc lyrics. But if you can't get behind freedom and liberty, then I I don't know. We're just not speaking the same language. And it's not solely
1: an American, a United States of American way of thinking. It's, it's not. It's humanity. It's humanity. It's so weird. I have a very hard time being rah rah US. Like I have a very hard time with it. I've always had a very hard time with it. Mm-hmm. it was since I was a little kid. Like it's hard for me to break out of that and be you know, when people go these Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and I'm like, all that stuff is is awesome and in in a way of building a society but the whole way that these people obtained this land in which they started to frame their society i'm like i can't get into that like i can't get in i can get into it like i live in the united states i love where i live i love where i come from like i under like I'm not saying anti-United States, but when people get so wrapped up into this one concept of U.S. history while ignoring so many different things that led the country to a point or to this point or anything, who don't know the historical facts that led to this, that, or the other, who can't go, well, you know, it ain't perfect, but here we are, you know, who can't at least just say that. You know, they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Is love it or leave it, motherfucker? You know, the <laughs> yeah. the best the best place on earth. And I'm like, I know you love it, but you've never left it. And so, how would you know? And yeah. I just, I I feel that for, and I it's not rubbing it in anyone's face or one upping anyone or anything like that. But I feel that touring the world in a positive way because there's other ways to tour the world um, but touring the world with our music has been the best education for me ever yeah, and
0: totally I, f- I
1: feel that anyone could benefit from taking a few trips and maybe making a conscious decision to make a couple trips of those not be in a resort or you know someplace extremely beautiful and you know all this other stuff that, you should put yourself in a position in which you're you know, looking outside your com- you're, you're you're living outside of a of some sort of comfort zone to kind of see the real world. And I know that's easier said than done, but we've been especially put in some Especially now, yeah. <laughs> we've been well, yeah, especially now. But I mean if I I had always thought that. I always thought that it would be so cool if after you graduated high school, instead of going As a 17, 18-year-old, which is bizarre and crazy anyway, to pay so so much money, to not even know what the concept of money is and what you can do with it and how much trouble you can get into Mm -hmm. uh, with with so much money, that you pay so much money to go to school, you're in debt for the rest of your lives, and you only live, or you only, you're never guaranteed work for that job and you have you've only experienced being around similar people with similar ideas um you're lucky if you have expanded on any sort of you know other like outside your comfort zone uh sort of thing and you go through the rest of your life still thinking the things that your mom and dad your grandparents had said was all real and You know, you live your life that way for the rest of your life and you pass that on to your children and they do the same and they do the same and they do the same. Or, you know, or you don't go to college and all of that cycle repeats and so on and so forth. But I always thought that after high school, it would be so cool if it was like mandatory that you just travel for a year, you know.
0: Yeah, you gain a lot of perspective when you travel to other places that are not… First world European countries, mm-hmm. you know, being in America, when you go to some other places where no one speaks English and the the alphabet's not even English, you know, Roman alphabet. So you can't read anything. You can't fucking <laughs> communicate with other people. Absolutely. But, but you see, like, you know, poverty on levels that you don't see in America. My biggest takeaway I've gotten from traveling all over the world is the realization that, A, most people are not white. Right. And B, we pretty much all want the same things. People are want the much same the shit. Same. Yep. Pretty much everyone's the same everywhere. The things that you described that you want, you just want to live your life and hope to be successful in something that you enjoy doing and have a roof over your head, clean water, friends and family and have a purpose. Like that's the same shit everybody wants. Yeah. So yeah, the idea of freedom is completely universal to the entire human race. And I can say, you know, that our travels throughout the entire planet, we've been a lot of places. The biggest takeaway for me is realizing that we're all just people and we all kind of are the same. We're all cut from the same cloth and you and I are not very different from people in uh, Thailand or Russia or Australia or China or yeah. Finland, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. or, or Brazil or Colombia or Chile. 100%. we're all pretty much the same. We all kind of want the same thing. So knowing that is what I think that perspective and seeing it with my own two eyes. And, you know, you were right there with me. Um, I think that adds a lot to my mentality of looking around and just being like, God damn, like, can't you see how the divide and conquer shit is just keeps working? Like we're, we should all be way more on the same page than this. Like, what the fuck yeah. are we
1: doing, guys? Exactly. So, and and yeah, uh, not just it, not just a national level because we want that across our own country, and we can't seem to find it. But y- exactly like you said, I I love the perspective, or I would love to see the I would love to see someone's mind change in real time, like what I was describing. One of my people who take lessons for me is when someone realizes when they go to a Mexico City or they go to a Moscow and they had all these things fed to them about Mexican people or about the Russians, you know, or like all this stuff that people in the United States say about these people. We're always talking mm-hmm. about Mexico and and Mexican people. We're always talking about what the Russians are doing, so on and so forth. Yep. And I would love to see in real time, someone's minds go, holy shit, this isn't bad at all. Like, this isn't even close to bad. And no one is this and no one is that. And we all want the same things. And, you know, one of the perspectives that I've gotten, even with my kind of weariness about, you know, being rah-rah America, is going and Traveling. And coming back home and being grateful for where I am, where I live, where I was born. And actually seeing and realizing that where I live is great. And having an appreciation for why this place is great. And I feel that that is something who says that this is automatically the best place ever. Who's never been any place ever. is missing. Like, I would love to see you actually gain some perspective and come back and tell me why you know and and with your own eyes and your own heart you know and soul come back and tell me with your in your travels after you've come home and you can appreciate it more tell me why it is so great and why do you think it's the best because i've been to a lot of places you've been to a lot of places and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you and i'll shout it from the rooftop i've been to a lot of places that are pretty fucking cool I've been to a lot of places where if I were a single man, and I'm grateful that I'm married and to a great person, but if I were a single man maybe 10 years ago or whatever it was and had the ability to do it, I I wouldn't bat an eye to live in in another country or anything like that because there's great places out there to live. But I've been to a lot of other places. You've been to a a lot of places too that make me realize when I eventually come home from tour, I go, God damn, man, this place is fucking cool. And I love it here. And I love the way we have things set up and what we do. And I love our food and I love our accents and I love our this, that, or the other. So I wish that would be a thing that people were encouraged to do more. At least cut the college in half and take two of those four years and go traveling and do, and then do your schooling when you came back or something.
0: There's enough money in this planet to allow for every, you know, late teenager to go and travel abroad. Right. Even if it's just, you know, to another town, you stay in the same country, like, you know, if if funds are tight or whatever, but there is enough fucking funds on this planet to make that real. Obviously it's not going (laughs) to happen, but yeah, our, our priorities are in, in wacky places. As a, as an overall civilization, I don't mean like you and I or yeah, Americans yeah. specifically, Absolutely. but um, you know the, the the game, the chessboard seems to be rigged. But I think that experience is the best teacher, and that goes for pretty much anything. You know, mm-hmm. trial by fire. Yep, Exper- experience is a great teacher. Yeah, America. Is very cool. We have a lot of really awesome shit here, and especially before COVID, this was like the land of convenience. You know, right. you could go to a, uh, a grocery store until midnight, or you used to be able to go to them twenty four seven. And you know, you go to even first world nations in Europe and stuff; everything shuts down at like eight p.m., and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing oh, yeah. else going on other than bars um, right. for the night. So, yeah, we are super super lucky to have been born in this country just by accident of birth we 're super spoiled and lucky just to live when and where we do. I know I say it all the time you've heard me say it before, but I really mm-hmm. think that we 're spoiled as fuck just to live when and where we do. We live in this age of technology i 'm talking Absolutely. to you right now face to face in yeah. you know almost real time, and you're five thousand miles away from me right yep, you know we all it's got insane. a supercomputer in our pocket. we all eat like kings. Yep. No, nobody's fighting wars over salt and spices. Kings didn't even eat better than we did, right? Than we do. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, we eat better than kings. Yeah, and and, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's just wild. Of, Of course, there's plenty of things. There's a lot of neurosis. There's a lot of like neurotic people in our current civilization, and that's you know something to mind. But there's a lot to be grateful for too, even though we have a lot of things that complicate our lives and maybe make it more stressful than it would be to be a farmer 400 years ago. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, like dude, there's a lot more to be grateful for. I think maybe today than there was back in the day. So yeah, I think gratitude equals happiness and the more grateful you are, the more happy you're going to be at the end of the day. So the travel perspective, I think definitely adds to the gratitude and the feeling of, you know, the U S is, it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, There's a lot of other places though that I can say the exact same thing. Pretty good. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. There's a whole lot of those places. Um, Absolutely. This, this place isn't the be all end all, but yeah, I agree with you. I think travel expands the mind to new places and then it will never go back to its old shape. You, uh, You open up your mind and and appreciate the things here a lot more. And you also just gain perspective by being around other cultures and other people, man. You know, it's not the news, the propaganda machine always is telling people, you know, the Russians are your enemy, the Chinese are your enemy, so-and-so is your enemy. But really, it's it's not really that way. We've been to Russia. We've been to China. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it wasn't that way at all. The governments don't get along, but the people themselves, they don't hate us. No. You go to Russia. No one's like "fuck you, American bastards." No, they're you grateful know, we're there,
1: and we're yeah. grateful to be there.
0: And part of that may be because they're showing up to see us play. But we've been in plenty of situations in other countries that you know, on paper, don't like Americans, and we don't like them. We've been to plenty of those countries where we're interacting with people that are not there to see havoc. They're not grateful and stoked to see us. They're just right. regular people. Yeah, and we never. I've never caught any shitty vibe from people. I mean, there's assholes everywhere, but I've never been in a specific country and felt the whole time like, oh man, I guess it's true. Like people in this country really do hate Americans. I've never (laughs) felt that way. Have you? Nah, me
1: either. Nope, never. Not once. Nope.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the moral of the story is don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you think. Intention yeah. to Deceive, that song basically says it all with, <laughs> you know, what you're trying to consume on uh, via media, whether that be news, radio, music, movies, TV shows, internet articles. Yeah. There's a lot to be uh, keeping one eye open for.
1: Yeah, it's so, uh, life's weird to navigate and you gotta think critically.
0: Yeah, so. man, we need a lot more of that in this time. Jesus Christ! Yeah, there's way too many people jumping on bandwagons that don't make any sense just because other people are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know that herd is is uh, running off the cliff. You you really want to go that way, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answers all are, but I I definitely see a lot of a lot of things that, that we could be doing better, and that's the shit that I write songs about you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Maybe that's part of why our last records have clicked with people. You know, Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. there's some sort of message there that resonates with them. Right. I got two real quick questions for you and then let's wrap this thing up. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again though, for doing this. I really appreciate it, man. I've had fun. Yeah. We got to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. So two quick questions. Number one, Do you have any musical recommendations for people listening? Is there anything that you've been digging, listening to a lot of that you suggest other people go and check out? Oh man. Um, I just started
1: firing up my old band not too long ago. And with that, I've been doing all the recording for it. I've been writing all the drums for the project our drummer passed away in 2013, and so I am, I've been listening to our back catalog for a while to kind of get, in, get into Brian you know, way of, uh, of writing and performing drums so that I can kind of retain uh, some of that spirit and vibe in uh, our new material. So I've been listening to our back catalog... Um, and if you would like to hear that and you don't follow me and know this already, um, monolith <laughs> is a very popular name. So there's many monoliths out there. I don't know what we'll do about that in the future, but as of right now, um, we've got a couple records out there and a couple different different monoliths on Spotify. And so that's hard to navigate, but to the, where I know they are because I've put them up there personally is uh, under Monolith VA and that's for Monolith Virginia and that was the best way that we could uh, separate ourselves. We have the full length record four on there and then we have our EP deadline on there and uh, we're going to have the new material out hopefully sometime in the late spring summertime but Uh, That would be something to go and listen to just to kind of get a feel for what it is that I'm working on. But other than that, I've been listening to a lot of Arch Enemy. The Uh, old stuff? I've been listening to, yeah, a lot of... uh, Well, I've been listening listening to everything from Burning Bridges to Doomsday Machine, which is my personal favorite Arch Enemy stuff. That's my... That's the era that I really like. Now I'm a big Jeff Loomis fan, so I, I've I've listened to the newest stuff. I love Jeff Loomis's uh, contributions to what they've done, and then uh, actually one of my buddies here from Virginia, Nick Cordell, was on uh, one of their records and and the band for a period of time before Jeff Loomis. So I believe that record's called War Eternal that he's on, and uh, it's pretty cool as well. But I'm I'm really big into Burning Bridges and really big into uh, Wages of Sin, but Anthems of Rebellion goes really hard, and so does Doomsday Machine. So I've been listening to those records. I've been listening to a lot of Shadows Fall, Art of Balance, and More Within. Yeah, two of, classics. Th- yeah, Threads of Life is is cool. I've revisited that because I There's not some a really li- good shit on there. Yeah, it's really good stuff on there. I've been listening to the the newer stuff, you know, before they uh, kind of called it a day, um, just because it, I just didn't keep up with it after a certain period of time, and I don't know why because I I like that stuff too. But uh, John is a big influence, has been and still is a big influence on me. I always really uh, loved his vibrato and his vibe and his tone and stuff. So I've just been getting into that stuff just because it reminds me of kind of where I am right now you know, with, uh, writing, writing music for,
0: for the monolith project. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of getting in the mindset of where you guys left off. Yeah. So and, if people, I, I'm going to have the links to the monolith stuff in the description for this podcast. So if you want okay. to check out monolith people, just go into the the description of the podcast and click around and you'll find the monolith stuff. But if there's a monolith recording that people should be introduced to first, should it be the EP or should it be that full length? It should be the full length
1: record four.
0: All right, cool. I'll make sure I link people to that.
1: Awesome. Hell yeah.
0: Sick. Yeah. I'm really stoked to hear what you guys come up with because the little clips that you guys have been sharing sound killer. I'm really excited to see what you guys do with that. Yeah, man, it's been a real treat. Um, to, to be able to do this stuff. We've
1: designated Wednesdays as our day to get together. And we've been really, really, uh, you know, true to uh, Wednesday sessions. And th- in those Wednesday sessions, I'll shoot, you know, a bunch of clips of us doing stuff. Now I've got Eric and Tim uh, on shooting clips, and then I'll chop all of that up in iMovie and make a little you know a little uh, docu series out of it which i think is really fun to do i'm cool. figuring out i'm figuring out how to do all this stuff as it's happening recording uh video um just all of it and i'm i'm having an absolute blast it gives me a <laughs> it gives me a, a a sense of purpose again and a creative setting you know i i think it's really killer so it's
0: great yeah i'm stoked to hear what you guys do and stoked that uh you know you're jiving with something that you're having fun with and is a creative outlet. Cause God knows we're not doing Jack piss right now. <laughs> Sucks yeah. man. We just put out uh, the sickest record we've ever made and you know, uh-huh. have to just sit on our hands with it. Yeah. It, but uh, we'll, we'll get back into it at, at yeah, some point. For sure. But <laughs> yeah, man. Not yeah. dying to, to rush something out the door and get, <laughs> get it hot off the presses immediately.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There, there still
0: is one that's cooling down. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Haven't even played one track of it
0: live. So No, never. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap this is if you could leave one message to generations in the future, one piece of wisdom or advice, what would you want to tell people?
1: So I had told you a couple days ago that uh, you know I I listened to your podcast and I always thought that this segment was uh, really killer and it's something that I had thought about as soon as I heard you ask the first guest, um, and I was like I I'm definitely going to have this if I ever get the opportunity to be on the podcast and um my dad told me this several times throughout my life especially when I was playing guitar and wanting to be professional and then when i was on the road for the first time and i was very homesick Mm -hmm. and then right around the time my dad you know started to have like his bouts of my dad had you know a mental break there for a little bit and he was describing what he had to do to get through and it was the same stuff he had told me You know, throughout my life, I had, I'll tell you the first instance where I heard it from him out of his own mouth. I was playing in my first ever band, and I uh, kind of gained a reputation around town early on as the kid who plays guitar. I hadn't been playing guitar for very long before I got up on stage and played in front of people in a in a dive bar, like a biker bar, and then it started to really catch on here in town. Before I knew it, uh, a, a band of older guys, and that's all I played with was uh, older people. I never really played with anybody my age until I was well, and maybe a junior in high school, mm-hmm. and that never that never really went anywhere. And then. When I joined Monolith, they were still you know, ten years older than I was, and I didn't start to play with anyone my literal age until I joined until I joined Havoc. So when I was a kid playing the bar band circuit, playing cover tunes and, and sets, I was playing with people who were in their forties and who were in you know in the early fifties and maybe at earliest maybe thirties, older twenties or late twenties or something like that. But um, I remember being in a band and we had spent some time playing for like a year together and uh, there was a big shift in uh, the band and the singer brought in, the singer fired the rhythm guitar player. I was playing leads Mm -hmm. and the singer brought in this random guitar player who brought in like all this equipment this processor, which I never played with processors. He had this like Digitech processor. He had all this shit that I never had. And it made him sound like Judas priest or some shit. You yeah, know? yeah. It made him, made him sound like God. And I'm over here sounding like, you know, shitty Ace Freely. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I love Ace. I love Ace. And he's one of my guitar gods, but like, I, you know, it wasn't that good. And I was playing straight through my amplifier, had no idea how to really set it up. Really, really decent. Or anything like i do now i was right. just trying i was just doing my best but i was making it work and people were coming out to see this fucking i was a novelty act i'll be the first one to tell you i was a novelty act here's this fucking 12 13 year old chubby ass kid with long hair playing lead guitar and i'm playing in front of you know in, in this band full of adults and we're packing houses because i'm this stupid fucking little kid playing guitar and I'm playing three, you know, in the cover bands in Virginia, I'm playing three sets a night. Each set is 11 songs with a 30-minute uh, a thirty minute break in between sets. So I'm playing from 9 o'clock all the way to 2 in the morning. And that was standard for many, many years. And so the singer brings in this guitar player, and he, they, everybody's got to have a meeting at this time. So they, they sit me down. And I'm 13 or something like that, 12, 13 years old. And they set me down and they're like, Reese. So Robbie's going to take over the lead guitar player uh, position. And it's going to be more like a, you know, like a 80, 20 deal where you'll have maybe 20% of the leads now. And he's going to have the majority of them. And I was like, I didn't, I, you know, my dad's sitting there too. So my dad, you know, took me everywhere. And yeah. this is where my, this is the t- around the time my dad and I started to really bond as father and son, to, is, is when I started playing guitar. And then he really got into like being in band practices and all this shit. He was like a soccer mom, but like for, you know, yeah, his, for his rock son- and roll. Yeah, for rock and roll. You know? <laughs> and, and it was really cool. It was a great experience having my dad with me every step of the way. But in this situation, you know, all he wanted to do was just like punch everybody's lights out. But he let me handle it. And my response to that was I didn't, I'm not in this band to be a rhythm guitar player. I'm in this band because I want to be a lead guitar player. And I feel like I've done a good job all the way up to this point. Now, I don't have the equipment that this guy has. And so I don't feel like I'm getting a fair shake. And they're like, well, and it wasn't they, it was mainly just the singer. And he was like, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm gone. So I made a decision on my own that I quit. And I quit the band. And I'd been with this band for a year, actually. They called me up after seeing me play one of those first times and said, would you like to join the band? There was only a bass player and a drummer. And we played several several shows throughout that year that I was in the band. And they were all very positive, successful shows, experiences. Mm-hmm. But then I was out of the band and I was down in the basement and I was feeling sorry for myself. And my dad's like, you know what? You just got to, you've got to come out swinging. You know, you've got to come out swinging. And you you know, the next time that you emerge from, you know, from this basement and get on a stage again, you've got to be 10 times better than you ever were in the past. And The bit of advice that he gave me at this point was and that he's been giving me for a very long time is lace your boots. Lace your boots tight and get to work. Nobody's going to do it for you and you're not going to get there and achieve anything sitting there waiting for anything or anyone. Lace your boots and go to work and that's the bit of advice that i would tell anyone you know it's nothing's going to get done and no one's going to do the work for you no nothing's going to get done if you're waiting around you know you're not going to succeed you're not going to be seen you're not going to be heard um, by miracle yeah you've got to you've got to put the work in and you've got to be willing to do hard Fucking work. You've got to sacrifice and you've got to fucking trudge through the bullshit. And regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you felt coming out of work that day and knowing that you have to get up for work tomorrow, you have to lace your boots and fucking go do it. And so my next the next situation was I'm on the road and I'm homesick and I just wanna come home. Lace your boots and fucking go to work. So the third instance where he says this is not about me, it's about himself and he's going through a hard time. And he says I'm having a hard time, I can barely get through the day, but I fucking lace my boots and I go anyway. And he said I've told you this your whole life and now you're the now you're giving it to me. And he said your granddad your granddad did it for 47 years. I've done it this whole time. You're doing it. Lace your boots and go to fucking work. And every time he calls me or every time I talk to him on the road and every time I'm like, well, I've got to get off here. I've got to go do something equipment. I've got to go this. I got to go do that. And he goes, yeah. all right, get, lace your boots, go to work, get the fuck out of here <laughs> every time. So,
0: yeah, it's good advice, man. It reminds me of airheads when, uh, like, don't worry, like, we're gonna get our break. And, uh, you know, Chaz, Ch- uh, Brendan Fraser's character is like, see, that's the problem with you guys. You guys always think that something's gonna happen to us. Gotta yeah. go out and make it happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same
0: concept, but, it, you know, I, <laughs> I don't mean to trivialize what you're saying and bring it oh, up, no. bring up airheads, no. but it's pretty much the same uh, logic yes. here. You gotta yeah, fucking absolutely. go make it. It's like that Metallica lyric: "Advantages are taken, not handed out." Exactly, exactly.
1: I mean, and you know, it, it, and every aspect of life that applies to me for me, and you know, with COVID, COVID is getting ready to decimate all normal living as we know it. Yep. And nothing is going to be the same afterwards, or or anything. And I, I go, okay, well. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to lace my boots and go to fucking work and literally go to work or, you know, okay. I have a Dean endorsement. I'm with a bigger company now and I've got to have an obligation to, at least in my mind, I've got an obligation to uh, do something with this. All right. Lace your boots and go to fucking work. You know, I, it I've got this project on my hands. I don't know anything about recording. All right. Well, You've got the equipment, Lace your boots and get the fucking work, you know? So that's the way it is. Adapt and whatever's in front of you, you can work through it and you've got to get up and do it because if you want to achieve something, you've got to fucking work. Just go to work.
0: Yeah. Sound advice. Wise words. There's a, there's like a stoic saying, the obstacle is the way. You got to just fucking plow through it, man. You can't. Right. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way around it. The obstacle is the way. You got to lace up your boots and get to work. Yeah. My
1: granddad, he worked in a factory from 6 in the morning till 3.30 every day. Then he came home for about a half hour. Then he went and cleaned buildings. And then after he cleaned buildings, he went to a body shop and painted cars and then came home at 10.30, then got up and did all of that the next day. He did that for 47 years and continued to work. He continued to clean those buildings after he uh, retired from the factory. So I'm more than certain my granddad was beaten down and he's beaten down now from all those years of doing that stuff, but he laced his fucking boots anyway and went to work. He did what he had to do. And I'm I'm his grandson and I'm going to uphold that tradition and do what I've got to fucking do and place my boots and, and go to work. So
0: hell yeah. That's a good way to end this thing. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure. Good (laughs) advice. No, it's been a fucking mega pleasure, dude. I really loved talking to you, especially on here. And like, you know, we're not in a vehicle, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exhausted and like thinking about, should I drink another beer or go to sleep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again. Anytime you want to come on, you know, maybe when the Monolith stuff is out and you want to promote it or whatever, I would love Hell to yeah. have you on. Anytime you have something to plug, you're always welcome.
1: Sounds great, man. I would love that. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again
0: for surely. That's badass. Hell yeah. Thanks a lot for taking the time. I know we talked for quite a while, a lot longer than I thought we would, honestly, but uh, I'm totally all right with it. Is there anything else you want to say to the people before we end it? (laughs) Say to the people.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, for real. um, Any and all support, even in this time, is and has been incredible and really cool the fact that you even really give a shit to even to to, to continue on uh, our journey havoc or pers- you know our personal journeys i think that's amazing and uh, thanks for support
0: <laughs> yes thanks everybody for listening to this if you've made it this far you are a champion of the universe Reese scruggs signing off and Hell yeah. i will talk to you all sometime soon goodbye everybody bye bye woo that was a long one. What a doozy. Just a quick reminder, guys. Hit riffsordie.com if you want to get your hands on some cool merch. Or you can support by going to patreon.com slash die. You'll get some free merch, and you'll also get the chance to hang out, ask me anything you want, get discounts at the web store, and have access to all sorts of bonus episodes of the podcast. To everyone that's already signed up, thank you very, very much for your subscription. It means a lot to me. I wish you all well, and take care of each other, everyone. I'll talk to you all next week. Goodbye.